You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the geeks are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Three, two, one. Lasers. Here we go. I'm just numb to raw at this point, Dustin, or if uh, I'm just tired. I think it's because we came off of the probably 48 hours of most Smash Mouth wrestling of the year, so I mean, still recovering. Yeah, definitely that. Because yeah, I kind of transitioned back and forth for that second day of New Japan there. Watching the end of it. Between raw commercial breaks, you have no idea how scrambling of the brain that can be. I was waiting for the last segment. You have plenty of time because they drag ass forever. So, yeah, unbelievable. So much news flopping all about here. First episode of 2020. We've been doing this since I think 2014 without missing. I think maybe but a single week. So holy crap, we're on episode 360 of Talk Brunch Live. I'm your host, as always, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch, here with. The co-host of All Things Talk Brunch, Mr. Destin Frazier. Ooh, you know what? Since it's the first episode of 2020, I'm doing this. Because we are live! Indeed we are. And yeah, I haven't had to do that in months. Holy shit, that was rusty. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to Ice Inferno for our new music. This is Dreamer. Any of you old school guys will know it as... Stage 3 of Streets of Rage 2 I believe this was a carnival You can check out their stuff at Iceinferno.bandcamp.com Support the man He does a lot of old school 16 and 8 bit Music and remixes it And pretty incredible stuff there I will drop you guys Some links as a matter of fact in the uh, Chat room in a little while And again at the end of the show that being said, shout out to our wonderful chat room and all of our regulars in there. Cool Ice and Stasis Dreams, Joe Wall, uh, Emang, aka EB Gamer, Willie V2, Six Slayer, aka AC, Mark710, Liquid Impact, and also all of you listening across the live broadcast over at TalkRunch.com and the rest of you listening on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, and all of the other popular podcatcher apps. As usual, we're available on every major digital audio provider, including SoundCloud, this is TalkRunch. You can visit the website all the social media links and all that other stuff or just say alexa play the talk brunch podcast sorry if i triggered the stuff in your house just now don't have it on when you listen to us exactly we've been doing this since last year fix your life <laughs> there you go now you just lost the rest of the listeners I'm like screw these guys <laughs> fix my life how dare you sir you fix your life Maybe so, I. <laughs> there's been a lot of wrestling. I gotta admit, I didn't get to see New Year's Dash. I used to come on here every year and tell you guys in detail about Wrestle Kingdom, and and that won't be happening this year, mainly because of the fact that uh, I didn't really have time to be as thorough as I want to be. I mean, I watched all of it, but you know, first of all, night one, even though I didn't plan on doing it, I watched night one at its airing time, so I'm up zombified watching this show half asleep uh, while doing other things and. I still got to see it, but I didn't really get the thorough 
experience that I would have liked. And it's their fault because first of all, why are there three days? They basically have three WrestleManias. Right. That, that's too much. <laughs> There's a reason we used to be able to do Wrestle Kingdom with no problem because it was all in one shot. You can't give me that cool off time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the host, Cool Ice. I thought about it too. I almost thought about watching it live with you, but I was like, nope, not this year. No, 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 no. I didn't mean to. I just found myself up at that time and thought it couldn't hurt to turn some of it on. And I wound up watching most of it. But uh, normally normally I like to take some semblance of notes or have something attentive about it, but I'll just be shooting from the hip. Yeah, pretty much. We're we're, we're, we're going in blind on this one. But I mean, what a Wrestle Kingdom it was. 14, this is the 14th one. Yeah, but New Year Dash, that's kind of threw me off. I didn't, you know, I normally get to watch that, but this year it being three days. We won't spoil anything there. I know they had the big ceremony for Dushin Thunder Liger, which that's what I'm mainly interested in for that night. Yeah, that that was the one, that was the draw of New Year's Dash this year, which I was on Liger send-off. Yeah, pretty much. Which, I mean, 30-year career, Jesus Christ, like... (laughs) All right. Well, unless you have anything, I think I'm going to pick a first story for today out of this crazy sheet. Um, I got one okay. that uh, caught my eye not too long ago. Actually, I think it caught my eye yesterday. You are familiar with the name Rory Gulak? <laughs> yes, I am as of today. Yep. Well, uh, Rory Gulak is basically. Oh a man, you're opening with that, huh? You know what we need to do it, in the future. This needs to be done like the old school days with Raw and then Warzone. You know, at 10 p.m. That's the. <laughs> Like that second hour is when you send the kids to bed because they're gonna show Sable's titties and it's gonna be a little bit more grind. Like we need to next time let let's uh because yeah you're gonna start with Rory Gould like oh my all right. <laughs> so uh, basically we'll kind of get like a little uh the the basis of it then we'll kind of fill in the species spaces there. For those who don't know, Rory I, I thought you were gonna is, uh, say I thought you were gonna say we'll fill in the species there. I swear, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> So, yeah, basically, Rory Gulak, yes, that last name is familiar because he's the younger brother of uh, former Cruiserweight champion Drew Gulak. Is he? I wasn't sure about that part. I mean, you never know. People got weird names, right? Don't he, judge he, me, okay? It's first episode of 2020. <laughs> no, come on. Is, is he really? Yeah. You better make sure about that fact. I, I wasn't sure about that. I mean, it would be a yeah. coincidence to have two Gulaks, but yeah, is that his brother? Yeah, that's his younger brother. Oh, that sucks. I mean, exactly. Uh, that's what I said. Now. They're like, Rick keeps interrupting, and we're not even going to hear what it is. We'd be all right. Come he's on like now. that Y'all cat. On... If y'all don't do this, get, this is what we do. All right? We got to make it funny. He's it's like the Rick dark. and Morty cat. You know, something bad happened. You don't exactly. know Exactly. If, if we're putting this much, this many jokes in at the first bit of the story, you know it's going to be rough. Yeah, we're stolen for uh, that one-hour time block. <laughs> but so, yeah, pretty much uh, Chikara has, poured, has parted ways with Rory because evidence came out that Rory is a pedophile. I, yeah, for that, <laughs> that is not what what came out, is it? From from what I I'm hearing, he was a pervert. Don't call him a pedophile. He's a predator, I guess. Uh, that's terrible, but yeah, he's a predator. Would be the yeah. more accused because a pr- pedophile is like you know a kitty diddler, you know. This he yeah is, yeah actually yeah because I know a lot I've heard like a lot of the places I've heard sometimes they go straight to pedophilia and it's like no yeah, no, no, no. yeah we can't give him that label he's just crazy uh, yeah. no but basically what happens is ah uh, okay so who is this girl here who's who's releasing these details oh, what is God, this bitch name hmm a fan her name is Jen Mint and she had basically an experience with Rory Gulak and she says uh things got very okay she says. Since I'm, I've constantly been asked and repeatedly accused 
to making things up because I won't share the details. Here's the story of my experience with Rory Gulak. Rory and I had a consensual, flirtatious, sexual Snapchat friendship for a while. You're going to have to ask, explain to us old timers exactly what is that? What is it? Is that just like phone sex over Snapchat? A consensual, flirtatious, sexual Snapchat. That's just I mean, pretty, that, 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 in this day and age, that's basically what it is. <laughs> there was no <laughs> simpler terminology for that. A consensual. Got to make sure you clarify that. Flirtatious. I mean, if it's sexual, I imagine it would be, be flirtatious. And Snapchat friendship. I like how friendship comes at the end after this flirtatious sexual. Right. <laughs> yeah. This looks way better if you put the friendship in there first. Yeah, so basically you were showing your titties to him over your phone. That's that's just what it basically means. Come on, let's say what it is. Not judging. Just fire, just don't... I, that's got to be a bitch on Snapchat because you can't even enjoy them afterwards because they disappear right there. You look at them like, what? Yeah. I'm not judging. Just don't make me have to uh, sit here and say big words right away in the first damn story. <laughs> but anyway, after they had a consensual, flirtatious, sexual Snapchat friendship, Espiatidocious, for a while. And Stop! He brought, <laughs> and he brought, up, he brought up pregnancy a lot, which not super taboo made me very uncomfortable but he asked me if i'd ever watch bestiality porn more than once right after online sexual encounters also our sexual encounter snap were always very weird i like how they were very weird always as in she kept having them even like one weird wasn't enough for her she had to keep trying right? it. you know like how do you, how, how do you re-weird like what do you you know not condoning any of the stuff with him because I don't even know the details yet. But yeah, I just like how it was like, you know, yeah, this guy was really weird and unusual each time I showed my titties to him. Not just that first time or the second. I just noticed a consistency of me being naked and showing my titties and him being weird. I didn't get it. I don't know what's happening. Man. Wasn't sure what to do. <laughs> but anyway, there's a consensual relationship. Also, our sexual encounter on Snapchat were very weird. I, I left them feeling very uncomfortable but could never quite figure out why. I love the wording of this because you left them feeling uncomfortable, but but, but returned on various occasions. <laughs> I never thought about that. Like, why'd you go back? If, this is, if it's weird the first time, it's probably going to be weird the second time. Like, then the bestiality comment started, so I quietly oh stopped God. snapping. Yeah, it took a while, right? You know? I love that transition. And then the bestiality comments. Her experience with this guy was like when Peter was Han Solo inside of the mouth of that worm. Wait a <laughs> shooting shooting the ground. Wait a second. Pew. Hold on a minute here. Pew. Just a yeah. minute. Pew. <laughs> like <laughs> Like how much did it take? It's kind of like and you remember this? Can you play the ball? What was it in Gears 2 when you're in the Rift War but you shoot the uvula and it keeps moving? And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, what is going on here? You know, I feel like that we're going to keep reading this and she's going to be like, then there was that awkward time that we were at Chuck E. Cheese and he had his dick out. And I just thought at that point, you know, like how far, like at what point did we decide that we were, you know what I mean? I hate to be that guy. This is crazy. Various encounters. And then finally, there was enough information that I was able to make an objective decision about whether or not I was going to continue to show my tits to this guy on Snapchat. <laughs> and, I, and it's funny because she's one of the people that would be able to objectively say to him, listen, after very careful thought and examination, <laughs> you know, this isn't going to work. Man, she, I remain friendly with him on Twitter for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. There's no reason for any of this. Anyway, he will continually make comments about fucking me while pregnant. 
and about wanting to mount me like a dog. It was very uncomfortable. I quietly stopped snapping because nothing he did was illegal, and the snapping was consensual. It just got very weird. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> when I made that tweet yesterday, I started getting DMs from women with the same experiences, and without me telling my story, their stories were all identical. All, only some were worse. And so it begins. We know where this goes. And I'll, I'll go, please tell me I'm not going to scroll down and have a whole bunch of fucking tweets from different. I do have a whole bunch of. <laughs> Let's just skim through this real quick. So, uh, yeah, one of the women told him about her, about impregnating her, then having sex with her in front of the kid when it was older and bestiality. And basically they gave screenshots of conversations. Uh, I didn't, I looked through these screenshots a little bit. I did skim that and I didn't see anything in there that had any indication of this. Maybe I got to look here more careful, but I really don't want to. So you can let me know. I didn't see anything those from my things about him saying anything. I just saw people that were not him discussing amongst each other that they had this experience with him. Like it was just conversations of other girls saying to other girls, it happened to you too. Yeah. It happened to me too. It happened to you too. Yeah. It happened to me too. But Girl, unless, I, unless I missed something, like I didn't see amongst those texts. Because it's being labeled as these are screenshots of the conversation with him. I didn't see any where it was. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you're skimming text, seeing stuff like pregnant fuck or bestiality would, would stick out, you know? But like I said, maybe I missed it. I don't know. Damn you, you for starting. Over that shit. Damn you for starting with this story. The hell is your problem, man? You're supposed to bring in a nice good 2020. I, didn't, I had no idea. I even forgot that we had this on the damn sheet. And, uh, She's not accusing him of any sort of sexual assault. The snaps were consensual, but the content of the conversation became non-consensual. So she removed herself from the situation. She doesn't personally have firsthand knowledge of child porn, but believes those who are coming forward. So I guess he was accused of child porn, and she's just someone who came forward. This is why he was released from uh, Chikara. And she felt guilty about not taking any of this public earlier, but he wasn't breaking any laws, and the conversations were consensual. But now that she's hearing all these women with the same story, she... She wished she had come forth, so maybe they wouldn't have gone through the same experience. But what was the experience? Right, that's what I'm saying. Was I, like I'm going to come off so insensitive, but I'm genuinely asking, like, what was the experience? You know, you can hang up. Did he do something? Like, like if there's other allegations, like if he actually physically assaulted someone or did mess with kids or something, like, correct me in social media, please. But she's like, I wish other women didn't have to go through this. Like, if when you answer the phone with this dude, that shit's locked in and you can't hang it up no matter what. He just, he sort of does like a Princess Leia-esque hologram in your house that you just can't get rid of. There's just no way to escape this, except can't you just end call? You could hit block. You could not talk to him. And I'm not even judging the guy as far as if he's, I mean, yeah, if he's a pedophile, fuck him. But if he's just a weird dude as far as wanting pregnant porn or whatever, you know. Good for him. That's his business. It, it is shitty if he's, if that's really his only crime, having a weird fetish. And, uh, she just decided because of some false allegations to just expose this guy. Like, hey, you know, during our private conversations that, by the way, were consensual on both sides, I'm just going to expose, uh, my part. I have to play devil's advocate because I know automatically everyone's going to flock, uh, to her side as far as that. And, um, you know, no one's really going to look at the other side of the situation. Because it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. If he's a weirdo, whatever. But at the same time, if this is just that someone was fucking with him and then that caused her to have a knee-jerk reaction, she sort of, in a consensual com- conversation, private conversation with two people, just exposed the guy for his fetish. You know, there's all kind of fetishes. There's people like getting their ass kicked or stepped on with high heels or put through walls or hit with shooting star presses. No, they don't have that. But, <laughs> 
But point that being, maybe they do. Around. Maybe they do. But the point being that, like, you know, if it was a private conversation and he didn't do anything, then I don't know what the fuck we're hearing about what people went through. Because you could just hang up the phone if the person's too weird for you. Exactly. You Get some fucking phone booth. He doesn't have a gun to your head. Like, what are you doing? Unless he assaulted someone physically. Like, why the fuck aren't people who feel uncomfortable just hanging up the phone if he didn't do anything? Exactly. I mean, they're saying he's a predator, but I just... And she's like, I'm not accusing him of any sort of sexual assault. So, like, I guess you're just accusing him of being weird and inadvertently proclaiming yourself stupid because you <laughs> stood around him that long, you know? I don't know. Any thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'm really just hoping in his case is one of the, just another one of these cases of all jumping the gun and all this kind of shit. I would hope he's not like that because then at the time, at the same time, that's probably going to fuck with Drew as well because it's just like, it it's like hey, that's your brother. Like, you think Kurt Angle have a murderer for a brother and I think Ziggler did too? Yeah, I think both. Yeah, yeah they're okay. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they doing that. stuff. Drew can't afford to have that kind of craziness right now. You know, he'll back to PowerPoint and shit. You know, you're acting like Michael Colby on commentary during the match and be like, you know, the Graves also, did I tell you about the fact that this is a two-time homicide sibling? I don't trust them anymore. I mean, you never <laughs> like or anything like that. You know, they don't they don't expose or, or care. He should just uh maybe I don't know. I, I really don't have an opinion as far as what he should do. I just find it interesting how quickly everyone threw the guy under the bus and blew his business out there because of the allegations. Maybe they have proof that we don't know about. Maybe Chikara specifically knows all of this. And I'm not criticizing the guy. Is It sounds very strange and it's probably a danger to people. But at the same time, I just find it really interesting that the girl didn't just fucking hang up right away. You could get hung up on for a lot less in this world nowadays than that kind of shit. And she, she fucking not only didn't hang up, she called back, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like that to me is just the part that people won't talk about. Like, yeah, I know we're going to coddle her and all, you know, you're okay. Everyone come forward. But at the same time, you called back a few times. It's like trying anal. Four or five times before you realize it's not your thing. Maybe you will. Maybe you will. I wouldn't. Oh my god! I wouldn't. One chance is enough for me. That's all it would take. But you know, maybe some people. It's like, I don't even need one. Yeah, some people don't even need one. Write it down. <laughs> some people just fucking know from your balls to your bones. <laughs> so again, not condoning what this guy's doing. But I am condemning their reaction of not just if it's not your thing, maybe let the guy go out there and find that pregnant girl that wants to be fucked. Oh, if it ain't you, that way he stays the hell away from all of us regulars. You know. And just for the record, I also wrote down from your balls to your bones. Yeah, like what the hell? This is <laughs> awkward. The world going crazy. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it it really is. That was a terrible opening story. Hey, sometimes you gotta start dark. Write it down. <laughs> Look at that. Three of them from the same bit. <laughs> I don't even remember what the hell story I had as my choice for one. <laughs> Thanks to that one. I was sure of it, too. If you heard, if you rewind back to this, it was just like, hey, I think you... I have something. And I was like, what was it? Because that Wait, whole thing Wait, did Stacey just get another one? There's a weirdo for everyone? Yeah, there you go. Uh, writing it down. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, man, 2020, we started out weird, guys. 
If you made it this far, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations indeed. Because that was one of the more awkward ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Let's talk about Matt Hardy. Because Matt Hardy, apparently, we're hearing that uh, his exit is coming very, very quickly. And yeah, we're probably... Did you think it was his contract goes out, what, next month, right? Yeah, he's going to be he's gonna be out of here. I believe in... Is it in March? Uh, I want to say I heard March or February. It's, it's around 1st. the corner for sure. It says... It says after March 1st, if he doesn't sign another deal, he'll be free to compete wherever he wants. There's no non-compete clause like with uh, John Moxley. Same with like Luke Harper and some other people. They're going to screw this up, aren't they? It's too late. Well, there's nothing they can do in that time. Like, it's already like the reality is they screwed the pooch. Like Matt's, Matt's out, I think, at this point. That's unbelievable. There's nothing they could possibly do between now and March 1st to make them want to stay. They're actually going to allow this. I mean, you know what? They could have done something this whole time. Yeah, they could have been already doing something. But no, they were too busy with their head up their own ass freaking trying to figure out how we're going to get Brock in the Royal Rumble and shit. Like, no. (laughs) Let's look at the free to delete. I'm going to link you guys in the chat and see here. It's a damn shame. My iris! Fuck. I'm already more entertaining. <laughs> Of the Hardy compound will be your end. What, what is going on? Open gate! I'm not sure. This is strange, dude. <laughs> should write his name in the death note. <laughs> yeah, you go, Mr. Thank you, Senor. Yeah, Senor Benjamin. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in case this isn't weird enough. You always had me, Scott Guy! (laughs) 
Is this going to be a match? Like, oh, what the? Who are they? You didn't think I'd keep alone, did you? Is that the dog water? <laughs> What? Senior Benjamin with the Vulcan death grip. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Exciting, right? It's like a movie. Oh god. This is another final deletion basically, right? It might as well be, except we don't know who the other guy is. I would I would pop if this gets more views than anything that WWE releases this week for oh, their or YouTube. Has. It should. Like, I've seen way more effort than just that than that whole right here. Like, I feel like if I watch this from start to finish, I'll have to spend everything. Wow. That's it! My child, this was atonement. This battle was not about deleting Ryzen, it was about deleting Woken Matt Hardy. Who was that? Tis Satan. <laughs> I think that's what it is, I don't know. That is weird is what it is. I mean, at this point, with this whole uh, this whole series he's been doing, Matt's showing he doesn't need the WWE. Like, he yeah. can do his own thing, and anybody who's supporting him will follow. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate, like I was saying before, that just the fact that they didn't give that guy the push that he deserved this entire time, you know? Exactly. He He's never gotten that real push that he earned at this point. Like, he's more than earned it. Yeah, and they just didn't give it. And that kind of drives me nuts, where it's like, you brought him back, you saw the gimmick, you knew what it was you were buying. Uh, you even used it a little, and then you just decided out of nowhere, screw it. Right. And then this whole thing going on with Jeff, and then he's just off TV for months on end. Like, they did him no favors since they've been back. Yeah. Where do you see him winding up, though? Ooh, that's a tough one because he could go anywhere he wants to, and he will be the draw there. Yeah, I agree. That's the interesting thing about it is the one thing we know for sure is no matter where he goes, he's going to be the top. He's going to be the thing everybody's looking forward to seeing. Who do you think needs him the most right now? So with AEW, they don't want to get in this trend of like, hey, guys, leave WWE and then come straight to us. He's had experience with impact. In fact, this is where the whole broken hearty thing started. So I can imagine the pop going back there with that gimmick. I mean, there's also places like MLW. I don't I don't think he's ever wrestled for New Japan before. So that would be something different. 
he he's got options. So it's kind of a it's it's a tricky one, I think. I think if you went back to Impact, they would benefit from it a lot because I think they need a lot more names that people recognize. I mean, they've been doing eh, but still they need a lot more names there. But I think AEW would be fine without him, but I think they wouldn't pass it up to get him. You I think if the opportunity said and Matt Hardy say, hey, I'm interested, of course, they're throwing money at him. Like, You know who could probably really benefit from a Matt Hardy right about now? Oh, God, I'm scared. Ring of Honor. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I mean, we, we get a scum reunion, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God! And it's being reported that it has nothing to do with money. It's specifically he doesn't like how he's being used. He doesn't like. He thinks he's just being underutilized. He's right. Yeah. So, Impact did give him Match of the Decade award for his final deletion, and he put what a I mean, wonderful honor from Impact Wrestling and their great fans. Thank you. Congrats on all the newfound success you've garnered recently. It's not surprising. I mean, it's. We've talked about it before. There was a time when Matt Hardy was the most desirable thing in Impact. Like, if you were watching Impact, it was to see what Matt Hardy was doing. Yeah, exactly. There was a time when he was was the the man of that. And everyone in every part of wrestling was talking about that. I mean, Impact had enough common sense to give him a world championship, which WWE has still never done. Uh Uh-huh. Like, see, even Impact saw the value in him, but yet all he's in WWE how long? And he still has not even so much as touched a world championship. Like, mm-hmm. And nobody counts that WWE ECW shit. That <laughs> you see that Impact revealed a new world title? Yeah, they just changed the color scheme a little bit. Yeah, I didn't really look at it. I grabbed the image. Let me throw it up on here and link the chat room. What did you think yeah. when you saw it? Um, Not a drastic change. The new red on it is going to take a lot of getting used to, just because I'm so used to that last one that they had. But I mean, it, it looks somewhat, it looks a good bit similar to the last one. I think just the colors changed up a bit. Hmm. Not too drastic, so. Let's see what we got here. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. It's a good looking belt, I mean. It's... Yeah, I don't mind that at all. Uh, it's It's not their best looking Impact Championship that I've ever seen, but. It, it looks it's a really good looking belt though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't complain about that. And I mean sure yeah. we lived through the Jeff Hardy belt there. I want the blue what was the purple face? Yeah, the pro oh my god, the fucking not now that man no. We don't talk about that time. <laughs> oh god. Makes you wonder if something like that had ever happened in uh WWE. Would he they have ever had a Jeff Hardy back again? Like imagine if he came out at like uh Survivor series all fucked up. They you know, sent him away for like a week and a half and gave him a world title. And in WWE, you, you think I think that would have been a case where he'd be exiled forever. Eh, I mean, maybe. I mean, he's been drunk how many times? And they just come back and it's like, hey, belt. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just a, maybe, maybe back then they probably would they, they probably would have been something done. But yeah, yeah, I think that a, that would. Yeah, but it's a yeah, nice looking belt though. It's, yeah, very all cool their championships actually look pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. Well, here's hoping that they have a good year. Yeah. I saw it coming ahead of time, so I was already hitting the stop button. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of funny you mentioned Impact because Alex uh, McCarthy on Twitter actually revealed the reason that uh, New Japan was uh, basically 
the New Japan's are not access anymore. It actually involves Impact. Pretty much uh, what the case was is that uh, New Japan was approached by Anthem, and they asked about um, them having a working relationship with Impact. And basically, New Japan turned down the offer. So Access was just like, okay, that, that means it pretty much have to go. So New Japan could have actually stayed on Access if they just would have had to have some kind of a working relationship with Impact. Well, here's the thing. Do they want to have a working relationship with shitty Impact? Probably not. And the other thing is that I don't really know how sincere their offer was of, look, hey, if you work with our Impact Wrestling guys and we all team up, you can stand this network. Because would Impact Wrestling have really been okay with having a wrestling company that looks better than their own on there? Yeah, it is also the other side of the coin. It's a weird one. Like, it would have been great to see access on TV, but then Impact probably would have got the raw end of the deal on that one. Yeah, so they 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 were expecting to be on TV on that channel for another year, so they were completely unprepared to lose that. Oh God, yeah, that's right, Jesus. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it really does. Because even though they used to be slightly behind on stuff, I used to love watching some of like the past stuff in New Japan, some of like the semi current stuff they do, like all kinds of stuff like that. It used to be fun. Now you just need their network, which that's probably why the network crashed over the Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Because they had some rough starts. It was okay after a while, but in the beginning, it was launching weird. Oh, yeah. That's sometimes that's sometimes a case around Wrestle Kingdom with uh, New Japan World, just because so many people start trying to subscribe at the same time. Yeah, and this was a case of that. So, but their attendance was good, at least. They, they got uh, 40,000 40, fans for the show, which was up from uh, Wrestle Kingdom... 13 which was 38,000 so they had about 2,000 more fans and then even Wrestle Kingdom 12 was 34,000 so yeah Wrestle Kingdom 14 was a success that's for sure yeah it really was but it's like when is it never when it when is it not a success you know like AEW has the most attention I still think that New Japan has the best wrestling right now oh yeah it's like AEW is fresh so it still has that benefit of everybody still wanting to see what they're doing with it. But New Japan has that long-term success of, like, before AEW showed up, that was the place you went to when you needed that breath of fresh air from raw shittiness. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom's built itself so much on its reputation where, for me personally, it's the opposite of WrestleMania, where WrestleMania sells its tickets on the name. Wrestle Kingdom sells itself beyond the name. The name is just an extra thing on it. So you just know what you just happen to be watching, but you know you're going to get amazing wrestling no matter what. Uh-huh. So that's what we really need is a company like that. I mean, for me, that's my taste. You know, I like to oh, yeah. something that's more focused on the in-ring work and it's more convincing and believable. There's very few things in Japan offensively that, that don't look believable. Exactly. We, we, we watched Wrestle Kingdom convinced that multiple people were trying to kill each other. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's... Uh, some serious shit right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what are we gonna go to next in our stories here? We have uh, we have a bunch of husband and wife stories going on here. B.J. Whitmer and Kelly Klein, who I don't know if I even knew if they were together or not. Apparently, they're going to Splitsville. Yeah, I feel like we mentioned it maybe once before, but yeah, looks like uh things are coming to an end for that couple. So apparently, I'm guessing that she. Uh, it sounds like she cheated on him. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it, um from what I read kind of sounds like. It sounds like there was some kind of like some kind of infidelity on her end, and it looks like BJ just had it. Yeah, it says here uh, 
I have a personal statement to make. My wife, Kelly Klein, and I are divorcing. This is happening because Kelly breached the trust in our relationship by stepping outside of our marriage. This is the only thing I have to say about the matter. This has been a very difficult time for myself and my family. News of our split was already spreading around the business, and I wanted to make a statement before it made it to social media or wrestling media. Damn, what are your thoughts? Damn, damn, damn. Yeah, it's, it, it sucks. Like... <laughs> It sucks to have relationships end like that, unfortunately. I really didn't even know they were an item for the longest time, but I feel like I now, when I heard that story pop up, I briefly remembered us possibly mentioning it once before, but I mean, yeah, it, it sucks when you're with somebody for a long time like that, and then just it winds up not being enough. It's always unfortunate. So, Yeah, that's really shitty, man. And uh, yeah, I don't really know too much. I mean, I'm not a big BJ Whitmer fan. I've been vocal about that on here in the past. I don't really know too much about Kelly Klein either. He said it in the most tasteful way. I would have never thought about saying it in that way. If it was anybody else, <laughs> they would have been like really nasty about it. You know that. They would. He would have oh, been yeah. like, my wife was fucking. <laughs> you see this gutter bitch right here? <laughs> she took some dick. <laughs> took it like a champ, didn't you, Kelly? <laughs> oh, God. It was with a natural headache, weren't they, bitch? No. Wow. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, shit. Don't do that. <laughs> Those were the headaches. Those were concussions, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird ring. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> oh shit oh god that was terrible stepped out of her marriage <laughs> and got the dick nah don't don't be disrespectful he's a, like the guy was classy let's keep it classy too late, yeah too fucking late. I, I give him credit for that because he could have been an asshole if he wanted to be but chose to take the bigger route so. i wonder if she's gonna have any response or anything Right. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting to see. I think her response is going to be really telling. Like, if she goes off, like, if she just, like, goes off on a tangent on social media, it's going to definitely show some guilt. But, I mean, if it winds up being a thing where it's just, like, casual, like, okay, yeah, it happened. It's more, like, I want to see if she takes that same route that BJ took. Because we said it before where it's, like, it'll be a polar opposite, and it's just winds up being nasty afterwards, but... I would hope it wouldn't go that way. Yeah, he's probably it probably sucks for him, man. So I hope he's doing okay. Hopefully, his friends, his loved ones are around him because that that has to be rough. Oh yeah, coming off a of marriage, I've had friends go through divorces before. That shit's not fun. <laughs> like, you definitely need as many people close to you as you can, no matter how long it's been. Yeah. And on the flip side of love and marriage, Nikki Bella oh. is engaged to be married. I know that's the news you've been waiting for, right? That's the story you wish we started yeah, yeah. with instead of the horse fucker. <laughs> allegedly <laughs> gotta be res- got to allegedly in there got to be respectful you know i don't know if i don't know i don't know if i buy this marriage though she didn't do it on like some huge stage where the world's watching so no <laughs> there's the picture yeah it's that what that dancing with the stars guy is that who he is? I don't know who the fuck that is. I, I, I think I feel like I remember that. Who I feel like I remember that being who he was. Like. Artem Chigvintsev. Yeah, I think that's the guy. I think that was the guy she was on Dancing with the Stars with. Yeah, and WWE congratulated her. Oh. 
Well, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I wonder, do you think that John Cena stuff was literally all just simply uh, from the beginning of work? The more time it went by, the more it started feeling like it. Like, because we, uh, I, it's such a tough call because I feel like I could see it being more of a work on her end than Cena's. Like, I feel like like I could almost see it being a case where she saw it coming. But Cena's still just sitting there like, okay, I got this watch. She don't even know this shit's coming. Nikki's sitting over there like, okay, after the match, she's going to propose. I'm going to act surprised. It's going to be wonderful. But uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I heard uh, Mark710 says, but Cena likes BBWs. Yeah, I've heard the legends. <laughs> See, I like that cake. That pound cake. Back before I used to be on here reporting this, I remember hearing a few shoots and a few dirt sheets about Cena every now and then. At the time, it was considered, quote unquote, taking one for the team. There was a story I heard about some, <laughs> about some woman who worked in the WWE back office that was a bigger woman. And it was like her last day or whatever. Or they went out to like celebrate and like, you know, Cena, I guess, gave her like a farewell fucking <laughs> and, and, like all, and like all the boys knew about it and i believe that's where he got that reputation of the he likes the bigger women because of the fact that it was considered the time he took one for the team like it was almost like he's a nice guy because he's letting you fuck his hot body and you're a fat chick that's sort of how the, the shoot came off i'm not saying see, that's see, how see, that's see. the philosophy i agree with you don't have to be with today's society it's like everything you said everyone said so what but, you're saying uh, is you took so what you're saying is seeing they gave it that severance cock he took one for the team but he was a fan <laughs> he was a fan of said team. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other level to take one for the team. You know, I did nothing wrong. Okay, with that, the team you know? don't want us, or you take. But bigger woman wears it well, sure. You know, the yeah. ones that look like they could just roll across. Like, you ever seen that character on, on Family Guy? They did a cutaway once. That cutaway stood with me. It'll stay with me for the rest of my life. Diabeto. Do you love me now? <laughs> Fucking Diabeto, dude. I remember saying like the. The, the first time I saw that, I knew that I would never forget that shit as long as I live. Like, it was like, I remember rewinding. Like, we were on the DVR and we were rewinding. Like, it was like, wait, stop everything. We have to Everybody. go fucking back a minute. <laughs> Diabeto, and he rolled off screen. Everybody remembers that scene. And if you don't, you are lying. I couldn't believe when I should have to this day, man. I was like, what? What did they just do? And you're like, there's no warning for it. You're not prepared for it. Like, even the way they cut away all that scene, you can't be ready for what you're about to see. We probably can't find it to air it on here because it's a Fox thing, right? <sighs> probably not. The whole SmackDown locker room will come for us. <laughs> I almost started to say something. There. I remember I was like, wait, no, your world champion actually shows up. Never mind. Yeah, we got our real, real world champion. I'm actually going to load up the browser and see if maybe later on we can have us a little diabeto viewing. I mean, even though, because I think, uh, have you heard how uh, they do the whole thing with Bray always showing up? Like, he just shows up immediately after the cameras um, go off and he wrestles. So, basically, they send the crowd the crowd home happy because they still get to see him. Yeah, but then the fans around the world go home, or are home, pissed. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we good the, fiend, the last but... thing they got to see was Bobby Lashley. No, that's raw. Oh, right, right, right. SmackDown. Now, SmackDown, they at least get something good, but then the live crowd gets that little extra treat. So you may as well always go see SmackDown, is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much, because, I mean, you're going to get to see The Fiend. There's a 99.99% chance you're going to get to see The Fiend right after the camera's cut. I mean, like, he's either always, he either wrestles a match or he jumps to whoever's, like, one of the last people out there. But either way, 
from what I've seen, at least like in the trending little things where I go see like pictures online afterwards, Bray and the Fiend usually show up right when the cameras go off. Which I mean, it's kind of smart. It's giving the crowd something exciting before they leave. So. And, and if you don't know what's going to happen, it's a nice surprise when the freaking lights go out. It's like, oh, shit, here he comes. Because <laughs> the crowd pops every time those lights just suddenly go out like that. Yeah, well, at least they keep him on as a special attraction, right? Yeah. And I mean, a real special attraction, not a once in a blue moon special attraction. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck to Nikki. Hopefully this guy wants to have kids. Now she'll be the one who doesn't want to have kids. How old is she now? Oh, God, somewhere in the 30s. I don't, I don't even know. Well, better get moving. Mm-hmm. Red time ticking, sister. Yeah. Rebeat the clock. <laughs> so uh Chris Jericho and his uh wife renewed their vows. I don't know if that's really much news. I always forget that he's married, you know. I remember it. It's just I usually don't remember that he has kids. Yeah, he has three kids with her, right? Yeah. He I think I have why no two boys. He, he married her in two thousand. And they have three Jesus kids. Christ. Ash, CC, and Che. Yeah, well, congrats to him. I mean, hey, on top of the world, world, first world champion, a brand new company, had a fantastic Wrestle Kingdom, and we got remarried. Well, sort of. Renewed your vows. Close enough. Yeah, right. I mean, good, right? a good week. Good looking one. He is in fantastic shape, too. Like, he's, it's, it's, it, it, I think 2019 ended really good for Chris Jericho. The thing is, did you see the pictures where they were showing him out of shape? Yeah, I've seen a few of them here and there. The thing that people aren't getting about these pictures is that they they were taken at an unappealing point, having done some research in the past 24 hours. It was a Wrestle Kingdom picture that was going around. I don't know if I even have it. I could look, but it, it was a silly picture. The point being, they took it when he was like mid-flex, and then they started calling him Fat Jericho. You know, oh, and they're like, hashtag Fat Jericho, blah, 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 blah. So then he responded with uh, a picture of himself not looking fat, <laughs> you know, where he's just flexing regular. And, you know, it just shows that everyone's um, full of shit as far as, you know, just the way to try to everyone wants him to be fat so fucking badly that uh, we're just getting all these stories about him, him being a fat Jericho and him being like, a, you know, out of shape and all this other shit. This is the picture he responded with, by the way. Let me get up on the screen. Look at that. He looks in great shape, especially for his age. Like same event too. Yeah. Dude looks like, dude looks fantastic. And let's be real. Here's the reality. When we got motherfuckers like Cassius Ono out there, I think Jericho could be a little pudgy and be okay. All right. Yeah, you, let, you let him lumber around. <laughs> exactly. Jericho doesn't look like he's out of breath slide into the ring, so I think he's fine. Yeah, I think he's fine too. Tell you, man, that DDP yoga. I just... Stuff ain't no joke. And also, Charlotte Flair and Andrade, they're officially engaged. I felt like they were secretly engaged at one point. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. It could have been somebody else, but I mean, that's congratulations to them as well. I mean, Andrade going to change his whole gimmick. Why to be Andrade Flair? Or she could be Charlotte Cianamas. Mama, she would never give up that Flair name, right? Nah. I mean, Charlotte Cianamas has a nice ring to it, but yeah, she. It's not a real name, though. <laughs> nah, nah. I could dream, damn it. But uh, <laughs> Rick Flair tweeted, yeah, congratulations but... to my beautiful daughter, Charlotte, and an amazing young man, Andrade, on their engagement. So happy, so proud. What a way to start 2020. I yeah, thought they were already engaged, Cola, but yeah, married, engaged. I don't know what was happening. But whatever. Good for them. 
See that? Love is in the air. There's marriage and divorce. <laughs> That's when you know it's the real shit, when you get the shitty part with the good parts, too, you know? <laughs> some people getting married, and some people getting divorced. The way everybody winds up happy in the end. And some people are, are finally committing to separating from their Snapchat chat relationships. <laughs> See, you went back to that, not me. <laughs> I'm just saying that girl had she was so torn. It was like, man, this guy is weird. He's asking me if he can fuck me pregnant, and uh, he wants to know if I'll fuck animals. And the fourth time, fucking Mark, him. <laughs> fucking Mark said that's not the only record she's going to keep up with her dad. That's fucked up. Right? Yeah, like, like if she thinks Andrade is the one, she should have married three more times first, right? Right. <laughs> just to make sure, get that, get those numbers in there. Hold on, I gotta tie up with dad real quick. And okay, okay. Yeah, exactly. Do do you, not just with titles. You gotta do it with marriages too. I'm six away with titles. I'm only three away. I'm throwing three away with marriages. Come on, yeah. now, get the program. Yeah, exactly. You could get married once a year and lose two titles, regain them back. Before you know it, you have the title record and the marriage record. Everything. Two birds, yeah. one stone. Then she'll <laughs> truly be the queen. I mean, she already is. But I mean, as a queen, she should get all of it. Give it all to her. <laughs> You know why not? And if she and if she wins the rumble this year, she has to cut the tear in my eye promo. Yeah, right. I secretly wanted to win the rumble just for that moment, just so I can get the tear in my eye promo. Give me that, and I'm happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, WWE 2K20 continues to impress me. It's <laughs> it's becoming one of my all time favorites, and I don't even own it. I experienced this one myself, so I know exactly where this is going. So, apparently, when the ball dropped, WW2K20 went dead. There was a glitch in the game where I guess their system couldn't process the next year. A game called 2K20 doesn't work in 2K20. Yeah, it went on for maybe like a day or so, I think. But yeah, for like the first like day of 2K20, just boop, nothing. People, I think the only thing you could do was exhibition in universe. And I think even exhibition was kind of eh. So what people did. So what people did, if you had a PC or a PS4, was you went into your clock, your actual system clock, and turned it back a day. And the game would want, run. If you were on Xbox, we, there is no access to a clock. Everything's connected and the way it's supposed to be. So you were just fucked. Until they decided to fix it, which they did it pretty quickly. Yeah, it by by the next day, it was back up and running. When your company is that bad, and this company is bad, like they're shite, you should have your workers on call like emergency service. They should, in the middle of the night, be able to get up and do things. If your game's that incomplete, you know what you need? You need to take some of that DLC and fucking pre-order money and those deluxe edition money. And buy all of them laptops that are specifically <laughs> logged in. Have them just ready. Ready, no matter what. We, we're in a, it's not like, and that's what angers me most. No one ever thinks about this with game development. This isn't the 90s. You're visualizing all these people like in this big room with a bunch of computers going across the wall with like a view to buildings across from them, some Chinese food on the fucking table. Sure, those things exist. But you know how many big people, especially the big executives and everything and the CEOs, are just on the move all the time? Working from their smartphones, their tablets, on planes, on trains, in their cars, in their fucking Ubers. The point being, it's not necessary. This isn't Skynet. 
It's not fucking necessary to, oh shit, the game's messed up. Dun, dun, dun. And everybody's like rushing to the <laughs> office and shit. You know what I mean? They all have to sit around in this fucking big room, you know, with Nick Fury and this big screen that Maria Hill controlling with a fucking projector. No, call somebody who has a fucking laptop and Wi Fi. And give them access to whatever they need to be able to fix this shit without having to try. Why is it always like, oh, you know, it'll, you know, we'll keep you updated on it. Fix it immediately. You have coders there. And I know you guys don't need to go to a big Skynet building anymore to fix these fucking games. And that's the problem. That even the fans that get pissed give them this mental projection of them having to go get them out of their beds or no, they, they could do this wherever. Have somebody around the clock until you fix your fucking game. Jesus Christ. You know how much money they make off of this game? There are people with websites, shitty little websites, YouTubers, bloggers, graphic designers that have their own small staff on call for that kind of shit all the time. And you're telling me a company like this, 2K, can't fucking have a support staff? There are people that run fucking Etsy sites that have better support than this. Is that what they call those Etsy sites where you sell whatever the hell you want? I think that's the thing, yeah. What the fuck are they doing? Oh, God, Mark, that's so true. Mark goes, PSN didn't crash as much as 2K. Yo, they they clearly, clearly didn't give a fuck when they released this game. And from what we're hearing, part of the problem is WWE just wants there to always be a game. They don't care about anything except that there's a game with a box that gets launched out into the world for their fans. They're like, they want to look like the way the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and FIFA look. And all of those things get annual launches. So they don't care the condition. All they care about is the semantics of just like the other sports. We have our thing that we come out with every year and you have it. And when it's ready, you bring that shit out. Whoops. <laughs> That's it. Like, there's no, there's, <laughs> I think you throw the whip in there too. It doesn't matter if you didn't do anything. You guys could only be at the point where you're drawing the stick figures of the models. And that's what will come out. Oh, when shit. the day comes, they're launching whatever there is. And they're going to do it every year. Like that's just pretty much their plan. And I don't even think it's about the money. I think it's that they want to keep that appearance. They want to keep yeah. that appearance of a sport. They figure all the other sports come out with a game every year for their fans. We have to come out with a game every year for our fans because we're just like the sports. They don't think about the fact that they're a contact sport, though, that's more like boxing and UFC, which do not have annual releases of their games. Be that's more like UFC them. UFC 3 has been out for, what, two, three years? And they just kept adding support to it. And you know what? Yeah. They didn't money grub. The UFC games have awesome updates without money grubbing. Have some dignity, WWE. No, you expect them to have dignity? Come on now. That's why Matt Hardy's leaving now. Forcing these games out. Yeah, that would be a better way to do it. Like, if the games... I mean, we've seen a lot of cases of games getting delayed. Watch Dogs Legion, the new one that's going to be coming out. That one got delayed. Why? Because you want to make sure it's fantastic when it comes out. You want to make sure it's perfect when it comes out. They don't come out with a new Watch Dogs every year just to come out with a new Watch Dogs every year. Like, And the sports games are always bad. That's something WWE shouldn't be... be uh trying to follow yeah if they would the, notice that they notice you the, hear a lot with nba maddens not as much the fifas but with uh, like the nbas and the maddens you hear a lot of complaints about them either not being anywhere near as good as the previous year or just feeling like the same game which is a couple of new people in it madden hasn't been good in years the yeah. last nba game during black friday sale they couldn't give it away at 299 it still had the lowest ratings because of all the microtransactions that diluted the actual game. Yeah. These games come out and most of the time they're a mixed bag. 
And now WWE has the same shitty things that the NBA games and all the other things have. Just these underwhelming games that only hardcore fans are really going to go for. Yeah, it's, it is an unfortunate situation. Oh, man. Yeah, well. All of you people who bought that game should be able to get your money back. Honest to God, I don't care if it's digital and if you've played it for three months. You should get money with, like, some sort of surplus because you have to actually <laughs> fucking play the game. Not everybody. I'm just saying, 2K, not everybody will tolerate your shit like I do. But that's only because I got, like, a million other games to play. So if I get bored, I'm just like, okay, next, next game. <laughs> Speaking some of toler- business. tolerating shit, I, I don't know why I'm going with this segue. Matt Riddle, have you heard about this? Oh, God, I haven't. I'm frightened. He released a video of him discussing his goals in WWE for 2020. And we're going to check that out right now. By the oh, way, the video is while he's taking a shit. Oh. Yeah, it's me. I'm taking a poop in my bathroom. WWE keeps asking me, what do I want to accomplish in 2020? Realistically, I would like to win the Royal Rumble and then beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. But that's really not up to me, and I can't control that. But 2020, the bro will grow a mustache. This is two weeks. Hmm. the Goldberg. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so what's more disturbing that he announced that he's going to grow a mustache while taking a shit or the fact that he's going to grow a mustache? It, it's got to be. Th- you know what the sad part about it is? That whole video, I'm thinking if I hear a Duke hit the water, I'm done. <laughs> I listened to that video with fear. Right? I was, I was going to have seen my face. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. first of all, if you want to grow a mustache, props to you. You're not going to be on Cody Rose level, but hey. But the whole time, I'm just waiting for it in 2020. Bloop, bloop. Like, that was been it. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I was terrified that whole time because I was like, oh, no. I know he hasn't watched this either, so he won't even know. Oh, no. <laughs> There were no no toilet sounds. Thank Jesus. That would have been shocking, too. (laughs) I mean, at this point, if my 2020 at any point involves somebody kicking Brock's ass and getting that belt off him, I'm happy. So, hey, more power to you, bro. (laughs) Bullet dodge, man. I was was chewing some pecans during that drop, too. Oh, (laughs) I had to finish the show by myself because you'd have died. (laughs) Chat room would have been like, where's Rick? Died on the pecans. <laughs> wow. I had to toll the bell ten times. Or Matt Riddle was taking a shit. <laughs> Growing a mustache. It was a dangerous, dangerous time. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. So, in other news, Io Shirai. We talked about this a little bit before. Let's get his face off of there. That is scary. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to haunt me my fucking nightmares. So Io Shirai, we spoke about the fact that Stardom uh, offered Kairi Sane and Io Shirai a lot of money to return to Japan after their WWE contracts are up. So what we're hearing now 
is a couple of different things that are going to be interesting that they're going to have to decide, especially in the case of Io Shirai. So she was making, it's being reported that she was making more money when she was in stardom in the first place. Keep in mind, she's just an NXT girl. Salaries in NXT, you don't make that big SmackDown Raw money. So when her contract's up or to prevent her from leaving, the only alternative that they could have if the money really entices her is to move her up to Raw or SmackDown so that she's then making that level of money. Because you don't really get that money. Unless they make an exception, you don't make that level of money for Raw. For the lower roster, really, you know? Unless you're someone who went to the top and then you get sent back to NXT. So she has one incentive to go back. Number one, Japan, with where she's from. Number two, Stardom is paying her more. And number three, her fiancé, New Japan Pro Wrestler Evil, doesn't really get to see her very often. So... yeah. When you really look at that, there's two people living across the planet from each other. It's not like with Moxley and Renee or with, uh, what's the name? Peyton Royce and, uh, Sean Spears. Sean Spears. It's completely different. Not even the case of Big Swole and Cedric Alexander. Right. Yeah, exactly. So she has two incentives now. She can go back to stardom, make more money, and be with her fiance evil. WWE would have to give her a really, really good deal. And even if they do, I don't know if they'd be able to keep that forever. Exactly. They'd have to deliver on it, too, because, I mean, let's be real. We, it's not like it's unheard of this company giving you money just to stick around and then giving you fuck all afterwards. Yeah. And at the end of the day, sometimes there, there are no good offers. There, there may not be an offer good enough to keep somebody from that. If yeah. she has a fiance, you got to think that they don't plan on keeping this like that. When they're married, one cannot be in the United States and in Japan. Like, how weird would it be for her to get married and then go back to another country when they hardly get to see each other? Like, something's going to have to change here. Yeah. And evil going over to WWE probably is not that change. Yeah. So. I mean, realistically for her, one, it's your fiance. And two, let's be real. Getting called up ain't much incentive nowadays. I mean, Apollo Cruz has been on the on the main roster for like four years now. How that's been working out for him? Like, yeah, being I, called I, up. I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually meant to bring him up. When the hell is he gonna go back to being Uha Nation and get the hell out of there? I don't fucking know. First he thing went, he needs to stop doing is signing these contracts. He went from being this guy who was very muscular, great athleticism, good physique to him, that was practically moving like a cruiserweight and doing cruiserweight spots. To a guy who just has a really cool standing moonsault and like a jumping in Siguri. And that yeah. was it. Like it was just like, and, and you know what? That's them. That's 100% them. They'll get a guy who knows how to do all this stuff, all this innovative offense, all this fast moving, fast paced transitions and stuff. And then they'll take two high spots. Look at you. You got a good standing moonsault there. And they'll do it. You're like, you're fucking jumping into the group. And that's it. And what sucks, I remember seeing him and being like, yo, if they even know that this dude exists, they're probably going to take him. When I first saw him in Evolve, it was like, if they know this man exists, then he's already gone. I remember saying that right away when I saw him. I was like, there's just no way that they wouldn't take a guy like that. You know, I've never seen them not take a guy like that. And none of them have moved like this guy does. And just turn him into a standing moonsault guy who doesn't who jobs out. It reminds me of Tajiri. Apollo Cruz most reminds me of Tajiri because I remember seeing Tajiri in ECW fighting people like Jerry Lynn and Super Crazy and Mikey Whipwreck and all these wild matches, man. 
and the way he would move around the ring and the things he did i remember seeing him and just being blown away like tajiri was fantastic there was so much offense and so many cool things about him and uh i remember him came to WWE, and it really became a guy with a japanese gimmick who does a really good handspring elbow and a great buzzsaw kick that was it I was what to do. And, and, and this, WWE has this habit of they, they emphasize things too much. Sometimes it's cool to do something without emphasizing it. And, and just the non-emphasis alone is what makes it cool. When you emphasize something too much, you take the coolness out of it. You know? Exactly. And, uh, with Tajiri, because we already talked about how he did with the standing muscle with Tajiri, it was the handspring elbow that used to just be a spot that happened in his match. He's going for him and the opponent are going fast and uh, against each other, they're hitting against the ropes back and forth. One's whipping the other into the ropes. Boom. He fucking hits the ropes, handspring elbow, bam. And then he goes into a sequence or something. No one really says anything. It's just something that happens, accepting thing. In WWE, it more became like that was like a spot. Like it was isolated. Like, Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. There's a handspring elbow. <laughs> It was just like, fucking let the guy wrestle and stop putting emphasis in that small spot that is kind of it, cool it's, because it's part uh, of a bigger sequence. And they have a habit of doing that, you know? A prime, a prime example we're dealing with now, freaking Braun Strowman's round the world spot. The first time it happened, it was so cool because it's like he, he just thought to do that shit. And now he fucking he singles to the ring. He gets outside of the ring. He slices his boots up. He fucking sets his feet, plants, counts to 10, just, runs around twice, and then makes contact. They right? just need more subtlety in WWE. That's the biggest issue. They need more subtlety in, in the things that are cool. You don't have to emphasize the things that are cool because you want to make the people that are watching look for it. That's what we call Easter eggs. You know what I mean? Like they have to just look for certain things. Don't spell everything out. Don't slow the action down so we can emphasize this move. Believe it or not, I look at the Spinneroonie that way. The Spinneroonie, I mean, anyone who's a fucking fan of world class must look at that and laugh because during Harlem Heat, I remember one of the things I liked about it was it was the use of it. You know, it would be like more like a hot tag, like Booker's down, you know, he's struggling to get up. And instead of a kip up, he would spin up like that. Like that would be like his second wind, you know, like he's fucked up and now he spins up to recover, tag Stevie Ray or whatever, you know, so it made more sense than to win a match and then be like, look what this clown's about to do. Oh, his hand's shaking. He's charging it up to just spin in the middle of the ring for no fucking reason. You see what I mean? It almost It's like people accept it, but it almost goes back to what you were talking about with that weird leapfrog shit that Randy Orton did that time when he was when he was Batman and Robining with Christian. It was like, yeah. yeah it was just so sky. funny because it was just so out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> But that's sort of to me how I see the spin of Rooney. I love Booker and everything, but it's weird to me. I used to, I, and the reason I noticed is because I used to, think that was cool like i remember when he used to be down back in the day used to think it was cool that like the way Shawn michaels kips up this guy's known for he's gonna spin back in his recovery you know and that pops the crowd because you know is he down is he hurt is he gonna be able to get back to his feet and boom he gets back to his feet he looks fucking charged and ready you know but doing it at the end the way wwe does it it doesn't make sense because the match is over there's not an excitement to him coming back to life like that and secondly the fact that it's like being charged like i I don't know it's just not for me their style of storytelling and doing things sometimes it's so fucking backwards like it's like they'll have the right pieces of the puzzle just squeezed into the wrong spots you know and just go yeah there it is done and and to me that's what i mean you know i look at that i look at apollo cruz and it's the same thing like in in the indies he was a guy just like any other guy you've seen like a neville or anybody else where you know he flips around he does his spots and there's not really like an emphasis on one or two things you know everyone here has their signature finisher and most of their shit is stripped down you know even nakamura 
who like they let him a lot of his stuff stay the same but not really like i feel like i've seen more bombay kicks in wwe than i've ever seen in new japan like i feel like that's all he does that's all that happens is that he just hits you with that that's it he's gonna just fucking hit you with that him and aj styles had an incredible match crazy exchange it's such elaborate movement and every time I see him, it's like the same shit. Most of the time, it's not even him wrestling. It's him having his buddies get somebody in a position to get fucking Kinshasa or Bombaye or whatever. And, uh, yeah, they did want Moose, but you know what? Moose, Impact fucked up Moose too. I don't know how they did it because that's the first time I see him take somebody with their music and then like ruin it. Oh my God. They absolutely killed off what Moose used to be. Yeah. But yeah. They they don't even take an orange and squeeze all the juice out of it. They take an orange and they just eat the peel. <laughs> That's what they do. And then they leave the actual orange. That's Jesus how I feel Christ. about this shit. Because like all these guys, I feel that way about all of them, you know? Like, they eat the peel. It's it's everyone, though. And we just fucking accept it. And it's a little ridiculous. Roderick Strong. I remember seeing so many incredible Roderick Strong matches in my time, man. I remember seeing so many fucking... Like, that dude was Ring of Honor at one point. This dude, is not, I mean, this not just a nickname, Mr. Wrestling. Went, you know, he he was incredible. And now when they use him, he's just like a side went, guy. What, an hour with Jay Lethal? Yeah, like, let this man have more matches and shit, you know? I don't care if you give him a belt if you're not going to let him really be as good as he is. You know, and, and that's a guy they do good by in comparison to people who are on the main roster. They don't give a shit about. Yeah. So it's like when it comes to EO, go to Japan, be with your fiance. Don't get called up to that horseshit. So then the only thing you are is a fucking moonsault. That's why I no longer blame Roman Reigns when he comes up, because you know what, man? That's what they want. That's what they it, want. It's not like Roman that's what he probably wants. be a thousand times better than that if you really. If they, they want. If they they want him, him to go out there. They want him to wear fingerless gloves and a vest. They want him to do a bunch of uppercuts and strikes. You know, they want him to do that drive-by basement drop kick on the outside. You know, they want him to pump up his fists and hit those forearms and all that other shit and those those lariats and all that other bullshit he does. They want him to have that freaking uh, pump handle slam, that pump handle sit out power bomb. You know what I mean? Like it's like I'm sure the guy can have other shit. They want the signature Roman Reigns shit. They want they they go out there. They're producers. They're, they're fucking writers. They're do the thing and then do the thing and then do the, the other thing you do. They just get a few things that Don't stick. do that thing. That thing that get like, what? No. You know, and I think in doing so, they're losing the art of wrestling. Like, at this point, man, they can't hold a candle wrestle style to, to all the other shit. Not at all. The only ones that really get freedom, and I can tell, are the women. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe they don't want to be accused of being feminist, right? They just say, let them do whatever they want, man. You don't want to be the yeah. one that they say is sexist. <laughs> So that they like, can use like, as a shield, like, right? Once you leave NXT, all your freedom bones. So that's what the male roster has to do. Identify as women and then, like, you know, feel objectified by the fact that they won't push you. Strategy solved. You didn't like it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. So, what other news do we have? Do you want to get into some of the weeklies? We're going to leave more for the end and then kill ourselves. New Japan? Uh, yeah, fuck it. We can roll into the weeklies, eh? Okay, well, if you want, you can take us through some NJPW. You don't have to be too oh, elaborate, yes. but let's just talk about the uh, the events overall. Oh, my God. the probably the most violent night in wrestling history. Wrestle Kingdom Fort fucking team. <laughs> Holy crap. I mean, the one thing right away, yeah, address. I mean, this was like for even though since it was a two night event, it was two times. But this was a Liger Swan song. A 30-year career finally coming to an end, and it was kind of weird seeing it. You know, like, I've never been able to be a, a part of many, like, end-of-an-era thing type things, but this was a... This one felt very special, I think. And the fact that he gave the win 
Who are Takahashi. Yeah. He he both uh he competed both night one and two and he took the pin both nights. Like that's a level of respect right there. Like I like that because the one thing we we didn't see was the shit we saw at WrestleMania with Angle where everybody was like, Why didn't Liger win? It's established like this man has been around for thirty years. What what what's there to gain from him winning? But the difference was with Corbin was someone that people didn't want to see put over. Yeah. Even though it makes the most sense to put him over. So Yeah, but I mean it was it was crazy because I think I saw Liger the first time I saw Jushin Thunder Liger, God, it was years, years ago. I think it was in TNA when I first saw him. It was just kind of cool seeing the outfit, the music, all the respect. And then I think I saw him again when he showed up in NXT and he fought Tyler Breeze. And it was just it, it was amazing to see that after all these years, he's still having fun. He was still doing it. But the best thing is, is that they didn't hold back in these matches. I love the way commentary put it over where it's like, you know what? This isn't like, oh, we're going to have uh, we're going to hold hands. We're going to sing Kumbaya like these guys are going to fight. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. And they really did. They really did. Yeah, you know? it was great. Um. First of his swan song matches wound up being Naoki Sano, Shinjiro Otani, Tachuyo Takawa, and Ryusuke Taguchi against Jushin Thunder Liger, Tetsumi Fujinami, The Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask 4. I was marking out, man. I can't believe The Great Sasuke was at how old is he? 100? Yo, Sasuke is hanging on, but he's there. I love the fact that everybody had a different themed Liger outfit, though. Yeah, that was cool. That was great. Like, Sasuke had that half Liger mask, I believe it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was cool, because I was wondering. I was like, I don't remember. Like, this is strange. Yeah, ever have this before? But then I got the theme when I saw it up close. Oh, I see he's half Liger. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Sasuke's been around forever. My God, but... It, it yeah, it was a really special match, and I love I loved the energy. It wasn't about the wins and the losses. It was literally everybody just enjoying the fact that we're seeing this guy get to close the book the way he wanted to do it because he specifically picked Wrestle Kingdom to be the night. Yeah, which uh, what was very good because it was a whole year of them building up Liger matches, you know. Yeah, and I mean, of course, Taiguchi wound up getting the honor of uh, pinning Liger. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, 30 years in the game, Liger moves pretty good. <laughs> to have been around 30 years, he ain't half bad. Like, No, not at all. You, you could have thrown him in the WWE and told me he at least had a mid-card run in him, and I believe you. But no, nah, it, it was it was great. And I was it's, it's, it was a true honor to get to see what was one of being the second to last uh, match of Jushin Thunder Liger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, yeah, it's weird because I, I seeing it, it was just a realization was hitting like, wow, we're never going to see this guy again. I, he's been wrestling. I think as long as I've been alive, I've never known wrestling yeah. not to have him in some capacity. And like I mean, for God's commentary to some people, he is wrestling, you know? Yeah, there's people who have been wrestling fans for years. And that's the one name they all know is Jushin Thunder Liger. I mean, Cheeseburger with the Shote Palm Strikes, he got that from Liger. Mm-hmm. Like that was Liger's thing, and he passed it down the cheeseburger. So it's kind of fun to see in cases like with him and the Shote Palm Strike, with uh, Bray and the Mandible Claw, some of these wrestlers leaving a piece of themselves behind. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, it, it was it was great. I deal like Liger had a blast. 
That, <laughs> that was the best part about it. I do like at the end of the match, they did uh, similar to what they did with Nakamura when he left, uh, holding up up on their shoulders and basically giving him that moment. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was very good. And it's interesting that when you look at New Japan's culture, they have the, the older guys when they are having their final matches. They have them, uh, they, they have them in, as tag matches and stuff. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to do like a lot. Yeah. Know? Just it, it, it always, at least in this case, I think I've seen another case. It, it feels like you're giving the crowd that moment to have them there, but not kind of not pushing them too hard so that it almost seems like you almost, you, they don't want them to be too burnt out, not to be able to celebrate. Exactly. Because it's more the celebration after the match is over than the match itself. Because that was the case with uh, both of Liger's matches at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was a good one for sure. But uh, after that, more tag action. <laughs> because we had Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, Taiji, and El Desperado of Suzuki Gun versus Los Ingobernables de Japón, Sanada, Evil, Shingo, Tagachi, and Bushi. And uh, Suzuki Gun goes over. Yeah, tapped uh, Bushi to uh, avenge his 2019 loss and basically was setting up what would be night two, a British heavyweight title match with Sonata. Sonata, man. It's kind of annoying to me that, uh, I don't know, it's like Sonata's gone through this drastic transformation, you know, and he's become this really dangerous guy. But then he just gets beaten easily a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's... uh, I I feel you there, like... (laughs) You know, he no longer looks like TNA Sonata, but he jobs like him. <laughs> and sometimes even TNA Sonata didn't job as bad. And he lo- he's looks good in there. Don't get me wrong. I did enjoy the match. And, you know, I love Los Ingobernables. I don't want them to not go over. But uh, yeah. that, that, that part, that's why I'm a little bit biased about the entire thing. Exactly. I mean, then again, I mean, Bushi taking the fall instead of Sonata definitely didn't hurt him as bad because i mean a lot in the in the case of this match and in a lot of them it was to set up something that was going to happen on night two mm-hmm. which i kind of like because they want to be doing it again later on uh with chaos and the bullet club but i mean yeah it was a great match it was good to see i always love seeing Minoru suzuki zach saber jr i think he's been guy he's been very pro champion for a long time i think the last time i've seen him he was still champion that dude's still just as tough, and we're going to get into later on some stuff that I'm very much looking forward to in regards with Minoru Suzuki. Oh, my God, like you I too. Can't even, I can't <laughs> even imagine what the hell's going to happen. Yo, but I'm uh, frightened. <laughs> but then, of course, I mean, as usual, Evil, probably one of my favorite entrances in New Japan, because it seems it seems more for the crowd than anything else. I mean, they're always into it. You feel the build when his music starts to hit. I I saw some of the crowd had some of those lo- different lights and stuff in there to interact as well. But even the commentator absolutely. had the evil toy, right? Yeah, the commentator had the evil toy too. Yeah, one of the more interactive entrances in uh, New Japan, that's for sure. But he he's been great ever since he stopped being. What was he? Oh god, I can't I can't remember who he was before Evil. Oh, oh shit. Was, um, Watanabe. That's what Watanabe. Right? He was he was the only guy in Ring of Honor, the only Japanese guy that they would let job. Watanabe. Yeah. Oh, he God. was a, he was the he was the Wayne Gretzky of their pro stars. You ever seen uh, you ever seen pro stars back in the day? It was a it was a cartoon that had uh Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Wayne Gretzky, and they Hell were like, no. and they were spies. 
and they were called pro stars and it would go we are we are pro stars but the only one that was ever really there was wayne gretzky like at the end it was supposed to be like you would see the actual guys you know at the end of the cartoon they would give you like a message or whatever but really it was just wayne gretzky like you never really got michael jordan or, or bo jackson no disrespect to Wayne Gretzky. I'm sure it's great for hockey people, but the other fucking guys were too busy to be on that shitty cartoon. <laughs> Point being, that's, that's how I used to look at Watanabe. He was like the Wayne Gretzky because whenever we would hear that there was going to be some sort of crossover with New Japan talent and Ring of Honor, it was really just Watanabe. You would always you know? see he was the one you knew you were going to see there. You, you, everybody else it was like, I wonder who's going to show up. Who's going to show up with Watanabe? It always came on after the MC Hammer cartoon. Are you, are you working me? I don't even remember a fucking MC Hammer cartoon. This sounds worse than Pro Stars. <laughs> MC Hammer cartoon. What the fuck? Oh god, I'm terrible. And you know what? Boss Marco put a link or some shit in it. Oh god. But no, um, yeah. Was- <laughs> I've definitely yeah, ever since he changed up into this evil gimmick, it's it's benefited him a thousandfold. Wow. I think I found the Pro Stars intro. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, intermission. Here we go. We about to deal with this right now. We. Now people oh are god! Hate me. Like we want to hear about the wrestling, and these motherfuckers are putting on pro stars. Nah, they, none, mean, hey, none we, of these people were born. They have no idea. Yeah, we are. Educate y'all some. <laughs> oh my god! What a weird segue, right? Pro stars. Of all <laughs> I mean, at this point. If you are not used to, if the random segues bother you, at this point, you just need to go. Like, Oh, no, 2020 is a different beast, man. We're doing whatever the hell we want now. Exactly. We grandfathered into this shit, right? We're fully embracing this platform is what's happening That's right. Having fun in 2020, damn it. (laughs) We'll go for the greatest two nights of wrestling to fucking pro stars if we want to. You guys just got to give me a minute because you know how YouTube is. This isn't something that's on our system. It's uh, we gotta pull it from the airwaves here. Oh yeah, after finding it. But yeah, pro <laughs> stars. There were a lot of bad cartoons back then, but that was definitely one of them. Didn't you show me what was it like the Mortal Kombat? Was it the Mortal Kombat one or the Street Fighter one you showed me once? I might have showed you both. The American <sighs> Mortal Kombat and Street Fighters were horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, "What in the fresh hell is this?" Yeah, it was before things were handled with respect. You know, that's the best time to be around. <laughs> You know, you get the most laughs, you know. There was what? an era with less respect. Yeah, the less respect era. You got the ruthless aggression era. No one talks about the less respect era. Hell, I don't hear about that one. You know, where it was okay for Dudley to get kidnapped by the bike guy. Oh, God. Know? Oh, God. <laughs> he <And> left Dudley. <laughs> left <laughs> the dirty old man. Anyway, let's, see what the, let's go back to this shit here. Jay! 
stars. It's all about helping kids. I got nothing. <laughs> oh, all right. We need one of those now with three WWE guys. Yes. <laughs> Who would your three new pro stars be? Superstars. We'll call it superstars. Who will your three superstars oh, be? Damn, that's a good. Oh man, one would have to be Cena. I feel like by default, woman has no, to be fuck Cena. That. Come on, we got to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're trying to be a different era here. Who's our, who's the top the guy? Dad. The top main baby face. Oh, Who will be the Michael shit. Jordan of this? Kofi. Oh, da- Maybe Kofi. Yeah. I mean, if you fuck around, you just make it a New Day cartoon instead of Pro Stars. Just have yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. It can only be Kofi. It, I can, it can only be one of them. I'd say it would either be Kofi or Big E. But you can't have them without having all three. I oh, think maybe yeah, we're right. True. I think the fucking New Day cartoon is a better way to go. The, 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 yeah. I'd rather have New Day be the new Pro Stars. Oh, God, right. Cool. It says Punk, Styles, and Edge. That's an interesting combination. Yeah, that's a killer's role right there. So. <laughs> Somebody Damn, no, later on, I'm gonna tweet Woods. It's like, hey man, you know, I think you guys should be the new pro stars. Joke, I might really do it. Like, <laughs> this is a request. You remember pro star? That should be you guys. I'm saying, I, 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 like, well, we watch it. Like, Big E could be the Bo Jackson character. You know, he picks up the <laughs> and, and everything. Be perfect. Big E could be Bo Jackson. How oh, haven't they God, done this yet? How haven't they done this? This company has has resources to do the kind of things that would be great, and they simply choose not to. But anyway, y'all, y'all motherfuckers don't make new camp WWE episodes. Y'all got time. But I digress. Back to New Japan. What a, what match were we on over here? I'll bring up, bring up my card. Get away from Pro Stars. Oh, God. Next, more uh, Faction Warfare. The age-old battle of Chaos versus Bullet Club. Hiroki Goto, Tomoro Ishii, Toriyano, and Yoshihashi against Kenta, Bad Luck Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. So, so time off for a minute. Don't say, what do you say, the age-old rivalry or whatever? I mean, they've been fighting forever, it seems like. <laughs> First of all, the Bullet Club versus Chaos has been fighting forever. Chaos used to have Nakamura, which was a big, big departure. Like, not having that guy. He's he the one who created them, right? Uh, yeah, I believe he was the leader of Chaos from the very beginning. And now we have Chaos without Nakamura. To me... At least they're closer to chaos than the Bullet Club. Look who your Bullet Club is. Bad Luck Fale. I'll take that. <laughs> Chase Owens. Kenta. That's kind of weird. What the fuck's Kenta? And then and then Yujiro Takahashi. And when we got people like Ghetto, which is weird because, first of all, we know that Ghetto is the head booker of... of uh, he's the one who basically runs New Japan. We've talked about this yeah. before. It's like, what are you doing, Ghetto? You had a great thing going being the hype man for Okada. the fuck are you doing in the Bullet Club? <laughs> And then, of course, isn't their leader, what's his name? Jay White? I guess it's still Jay White. I don't know. They don't even know. They don't. <laughs> At least with, like, chaos, they could default to be like, yeah, Okada's the leader. Fucking Bullet Club don't know. No, nah, they really don't. But anyway, uh, what do you think of the match? I mean, just like the last one, it definitely, you could see the, the main purpose of this was to set Night 2 up because, uh, with night two, they had they were gonna have Kento versus Goto for the never open weight championship. This match was quite physical. <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is one of the few times I've gotten to see Kenta uh, wrestle since he's been back. Surprisingly, you know what, man? I hate to have to stick with it, but 
The Bullet Club are just a bunch of jobbers, man. I hate to say it, but let's look at the facts here. And I don't want to jump too far ahead. But so chaos goes over this shitty Bullet Club, right? And then I think I know exactly where you're going to. And they Finley, Dave Finley and Juice Robinson then beat the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tangaloa. That's all of them, right? Is anybody missing? What did Jay White do again? Did he lose too? I don't even remember. Jay White, I think, yeah, I, I think Jay White lost too. Didn't Look he? at them. I yeah, mean, wait, wait. Oh, God. Yeah, Jay White lost, I think, the IC title to Naito. No, actually, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, Naito, so, yeah Naito, lost everything. Naito lost to, uh, Naito, Naito beat Jay White with the help of Ghetto, who was there cheating throughout the entire fucking thing. And that's another thing I don't like about this Bullet Club. The old Bullet Club, sure, they were bad guys, but that doesn't mean they can't kick your ass like in a one-on-one. Like, if you had to fight, you know, Prince Devitt, he could probably beat you like if they're not there. So you still have to be like really careful. And the same thing with like Kenny Omega and AJ and, and even with the Bucks and all those other guys. This genuinely is booked where it feels like if they don't cheat, they're never going to win a match. And even if they do cheat, they might still not win, which is the saddest shit of all. Because look at that. Jay White lost to Naito. He lost his fucking title. You know, uh, Finley and Juice, who feel like they were young boys just yesterday, they beat the, 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 the GOD, Tonga and Loa. Tama and Tonga, you know. And uh Chaos beat the fuck out of the rest of them. Bad luck Fala, Chase Owen, Kento, and, and Takahashi. They were just all there to just lose. No one even acknowledges them anymore. Yeah, I think if I remember states me correct, if my time is right, Bullet Club had like six matches over the two nights and they lost every single one of them. Maybe that's why they took this so personally, because New Japan's not able to get over the fact that AEW left them with a shitty Bullet Club. AEW took the Bullet Club in reality. Like They should have just killed it. As much as I used to like that stable, and I would have always tried to sustain it, in, in hindsight, it's better dead. Yeah. I mean, freaking Tomatonga and Tonga Loa do fine just on their own. You let them break off and do their own thing. But, I mean, for the rest of them, it's just maybe little mini teams here and there. But in reality, the Bullet Club we knew was dead. And that's very unfortunate because that's the Bullet Club that are. Uh, that really was for a while a big part of their their roster. But anyway, they were jobbing out. Next match. I mean, we could talk a little about the David Finley, Juice Robinson stuff if you want. I mean, we kind of glossed into that by, by spoiling the fact that they, they uh, beat the uh, GOD. I mean, it, it was actually a really cool match. And you, David Finley was a little bit busted up still, I think, from a, pre, from a, from a previous encounter. But I mean, I've I enjoy this team of Finley and Juice. They do seem to clash together well. I like that ever since Juice cut his hair, he's become a lot more serious. They said something about some facial damage or some weird shit, right? Yeah, I want to say something got mentioned about that. Like something was a little busted up in this one. I believe it was Finley, but it didn't seem to stop him too much when it came to this match. And I mean, it was a huge upset for sure. The fact that, like, I think uh, G.O.D., they had the longest title reign since Anderson and Gallows back in uh, 2014, 2015. I guess when you look at it that way, how long these guys were young boys, that they deserve it. You know, they deserve some sort of a shot. Yeah, they, they've worked really hard for this. I mean, it's not like they just tossed that shit. They've been there like they literally they haven't been in any other company. If you want to see those two, you have to watch New Japan. Yeah, that's true. Once Juice came back, Juice was strictly New Japan, not even any ROH or anything. He's always been just been NJPW at heart. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very much deserved. But definitely, congrats to both of them. That's yeah, very good stuff. Yeah, I mean, now the real test is going to be if they can fight. If they can fight back, God again, because 
even though they're part of their shitty bullet club, that's a hell of a team they got down there. Mm-hmm. Sure is, but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen as far as going forward for a lot of these guys that seem somewhat displaced. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird having the bullet club being a thing anymore. Cause like, it's not the threat it used to be. Yeah, All right. but... And then that brings us to John Moxley Ooh. against Lance Archer. Texas death match. Oh, this one was fun. The finish of this, a death rider through two tables and, uh, Lance Archer gets counted out at 10. You got the Texas death match and in a sense, a last man standing match from hell. But yeah, every, they, uh, every, they every kick- John Moxley <laughs> match is a freaking last man standing match. If you're fighting John Moxley, is this is last man standing? <laughs> Whether it's a three count or a ten count, somebody's not getting back up in this shit. Oh god, yeah, they kicked the shit out of each other. Like, I mean, for God's sake, they use what candlesticks, chairs, tables. Fucking Archer's hat was tipped with metal spikes. Yeah, they had to sign waivers before this shit because this match was not safe whatsoever and i keep hearing that every time moxley i guess that only stood for AEW. the whole thing about oh you probably won't see him in many more violent matches like this and it's like uh well that's bullshit that's, <laughs> a, that's the only kind of match he seems to have <laughs> yeah he's uh this, this is definitely the john moxley of old because this was all kinds of violent in all fairness i think his his tenure with ww helped balance him a little bit more because taking nothing away from moxley he was a czw guy and a lot of his shit was really just, you know, you know, it was fucking backyard wrestling style, fluorescent light, cinder block bullshit, which I'm not too much of a fan of. And now it's like Moxley's a good entertainer performer and he's still a hardcore wrestler. But it's like before with him, he was just excessive. Yeah. Like he, if, you, if you take the weapons away, he can still put on a good match. Yeah, exactly. Whereas a lot of those guys from CZW, unfortunately, you take the weapons away. They don't know what the fuck to do. Pretty much. They they have like that lastly level of confusion. Like, what do I do? I can't swing shit. What do I do? But yeah, the good thing about this match, the pacing was really well done. I mean, they weren't all over the place. So even amongst the violence, they still told a really good story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Moxley not only won his title back, but basically fired a shot back at Juice, making, making it clear like, hey, we're finishing this on night two. So they basically made, made it clear that we were going to have Juice Moxley 2 for the U.S. title the next night. Uh-huh, which is very cool. Terry, now they freaking death riders through those tables are rough because those New Japan tables do not budge that much. Mm-hmm. So then we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match, Takahashi against Will Ospreay. Yep, after, yeah. what, 530 days being gone? Finally, comes home for Wrestle Kingdom. And he beats Will Ospreay and becomes the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, oh man, that was, that match was physical as all hell. Yeah, for sure. I never thought that I would see that guy again after the injury that he took, let alone be the champion. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see him back. He looked he looked at a different level of peace walking out um, down that ramp. Like, just kind of soaking it in a little bit. It's but, so I mean, they, that, that uh, you know, all of them are baby faces now. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they knocked it out of the box though. Like they they knocked it completely out of the park. It was incredible. That yeah. spot that Osprey did, and it was the same one he did with Abushi. 
that stiff, nasty forearm to the back of the head. That shit looks horrifying. Because, like, you can't brace for it because you're not looking at him. And it's just, it, it looks like it's, it look, that shot literally looks like it's meant to kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it pretty is. nasty. You know, this guy, for a guy who had a neck issue, he sure takes a lot of head and neck bumps. Right? He does. <laughs> what did they do? Did they put adamantium in there now so he's just swinging it all over the place? <laughs> like, this, Haroma was in that match fearless. Because I'm sitting there like, dude, you, you're just not too far back from my neck injury. What are you doing? And this is only his fourth match back from since when freaking Dragon Lee screwed the pooch. Yeah. So yet another, think about, what was that, three title changes? Well, we didn't even get into the other one, but there'll be a couple more title changes. Uh, yeah. How many uh, in total for this match? I mean, for this this first night, it was, uh, oh God, see. I believe it was three. We'll, we'll get into the next one, but which was, because uh, John Moxley, Lance Archer. Takahashi over Will Ospreay. And then, yeah, and uh, then Juice, Finn Juice over G.O.D. So yeah, three titles changed. Well, four, four then, because I was also count, counting the next match we go to, which oh, is the yep. IWGP Intercontinental title match. Naito, yeah. like we talked about earlier, going over the Bullet Club leader, Jay White. Yeah, which is a caveat to this match to add a little extra spice. And what adds then to the heavyweight championship match, New Japan was set to make history on night two. But we'll get into that right after the main event. And um, yeah, Naito goes over with with um, I believe it was Destino again. Oh, yeah, and, and he goes man, over with this... it. But you know what? It's also really crazy. Uh, there were a lot of points where it seemed like he wasn't going to win. You know, yeah, a lot of four there were finishes a couple here. Points where it looked like Jay White was going to pull it out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he hits the Destino, and that is it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was to be expected. I like that. Uh, one of the favorite things that Naito did. That spot he does, it's almost like um, it's similar to like Jeff Hardy's slingshot drop kick. When instead of hitting that drop kick, he just stopped, turned, and then just smacked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> Fucking Naito is great. Oh man, but yeah, it's I mean he's he's become maybe it's just me seeing it because now this is uh he he's going to championship for the fifth time. He's become at least for me as synonymous with that belt as Nakamura used to be. Yeah, and I know the match wasn't me, wasn't like, reviewed well by everyone. Like I've heard it said that it was considered a slower match. It was considered uh, Naito should have been the ring general here, and you know people were just a little bit dissatisfied. Um, they like the overall consensus seems to be that this should have been faster. It should have been just a faster pace match. I don't know how you felt about that. See, I don't. I didn't mind the pacing of this match. It didn't feel too slow. To where, like, it's just everything's dragging on. But at the same time, it didn't feel too fast. Like, I had to be locked in 300%. So I didn't miss a single thing. Like, I don't mind when it's... I, I like Even if the match is a little bit slower than maybe, I don't necessarily mind it. But as long as it's not dragging on. Which this match didn't feel like it was dragging. Yeah, it really didn't, you know. And, I like, I had no issue with it. You know, I thought that it was good for what it was. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that became an issue was uh, Naito's knee, which made him made it really hard for him to for him to move around during the match. So that's another thing. Like with his knee, obviously it's going to be a little bit of a slower paced match. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I like I said, I thought it was good. 
Yeah, I've always enjoyed Naito's work. Like every every time since I've been watching him, he's always been very entertaining to watch. It's the personality, the in ring work, everything about Tetsuya Naito is always enjoyable. And I think if Jay White would have been his own character and not this fucking Kenny Omega clone they're trying to make him into, it could have worked good for him too. Yeah, that guy we originally saw show up in Ring of Honor. That would have been fine. But this weird transformation just isn't working for me. It seems like the only way they know how to get young boys over is to turn them heel. <laughs> yeah. You're a young boy in Ring of Honor? No problem. We're going to grow your hair out, give you a long beard, get you a big jacket. His there beard is go. shaped weird to me, too. Like, maybe that's just me being picky, <laughs> but it's like just a... I'll have to look again. His, like, look at the way his beard looks, and it looks like if you made like, an online character on like, Red Dead Online, and you just picked just that beard style, it just looks like it doesn't belong there. Like, Yeah. Yeah, but... For night one, the party was not over because we had one last violent dance. A 40-minute war. A 40-minute fucking slugfest. Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And Okada retains after rainmakering the absolute hell out of this poor kid. But you know what? Like I told you off air, there were points in this match where I thought Kota died. I was like, oh my god, he died. (laughs) He died. Who's going to tell poor Kenny? There's going to be such a guilty backstory to this whole thing. Because now that kid takes the most inhuman levels of punishment. The shots I've seen this kid take, some of those rainmakers had malice behind them. Like, some of those rainmakers weren't even in the sense of, like, I need to win this match. It's like this kid needs to stay down. And, uh, and freaking Coda kept getting back up. Yeah, well, what's up with Coda with this new fucking Sasu no Haru shit that he has in him now? Where it looks like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like you expect to see the Akuma symbol disappear on his back. Like, what is that <laughs> shit, man? Where it's like he just suddenly goes into this mode and he like he starts getting hit and it doesn't affect him. And then he tries to kill the person. Yo, oh, oh, I don't know what it is with Abushi. He's he's got this mean streak lately, like. It, it's like he, it's like his body won't respond to the pain anymore. But I mean, with the shots this kid takes, I'm almost not surprised. Like uh-huh. it almost seems like his a his body's adapted to this unholy level of punishment. Like it's nuts sometimes. He turns into a different person. Like he starts moving different. He starts acting different. Like he's just filled with anger. Like it's crazy. He did that shit both nights, man. Like he gets to just his zone. You know, didn't he turn a little bit heel there? Like, he was stomping this guy down on the neck. He was stomping Okada down, like, sort of choking him and shit. It looked almost like he was so determined to get that belt. It was like, damn the morality. Damn the good conscience. I'm going to beat him until he stops moving. Like it was it was this weird level of violence I've never seen from Abushi before. Yeah, I mean, it really was. You know, I'm not going to say I'm complaining, but like I said, he had that evil Ryu thing going. You know? I'm telling you, man. Like, was like, oh <laughs> shit! And some of these, like I think maybe the last, the one thing I noticed about this match, and I don't know if I've ever seen this with Okada. Each Rainmaker was more violent than the last one. You know, it's funny you should say that, Mark, because I was thinking that. I was thinking that maybe Kota joins the Bullet Club and then they just kick Jay out. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Stacy said, "What's that crazy family in Tekken?" Oh, she's basically saying that he's uh the Mashima family. Kazuya oh, and Heihachi and Jin and all of them. They, they probably, he has the devil oh, gene in him. I can't believe you just Cody Mishima to him. Oh, hell no. Kota Mishima. <laughs> Kota Mishima. Yes. Yes. 
but there's yeah, a lot of them. A lot of those guys black. remind me of a. Uh, it's funny that they crossed them over into Tekken because a lot of them remind me of Tekken characters. I've always felt that way about New Japan. Okada especially, he reminds me of the Tekken characters. When he was a heel more so, though. Like, Okada, as much as he's over, Okada, for the past seven years, for me, doesn't work as a face. Just because I was watching New Japan before it was being ported over here, and I just always liked Tanahashi being the hero, and then, like, you know, the Okada up in the top of his mansion-style character that he was. That reminded me more of the Mishimas. And uh, they kind of fucked it up, because now he, somehow he's the most over baby face they have. Yeah, but I mean, once again, freaking Okada claims another victory at Tokyo Dome. But I think what's getting scary about Ibushi, the fact that he's putting himself through these, through these hellacious beatings. Where it looks like he dies, yeah. Yeah, eventually there's going to come a point where there's not going to be enough Rainmakers to put him down. Like, it's scary because, like, the level of punishment his body's starting to adapt to, that's going to push him to a world championship. Because eventually you're not going to be able to put him away. Yeah. He's like uh, Abushi goes through these weird periods I've seen, and I always mentioned it before, where it's like you you, where you get the body to shut off so the spirit can't make it respond. Abushi's body sometimes just seems to go into a place of its own where it's like, okay, nothing else responding. Fuck it, stand him up anyway. <laughs> We're gonna keep go running with that again again until something happens. They gotta keep running with that. I'm I'm totally sold on that. Take the focus off it. of all that other bullet club nonsense you have going on. Use these guys. Elevate your talent, and uh, exactly. Mark says, I mean, the crowd was so of, invested because there were points where it seemed like Okada wasn't going to be able to put him away. Mark says Okada reminds him of Geese Howard, that's Fatal Fury main villain of Terry yeah. Bogard. Nice. Eh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. And then Okada once again had a phenomenal entrance every year at WrestleMania. His entrances are amazing. I love the way the screen looked behind him and the rain, and then the screen shattering and everything. Just the whole overall visual effect oh, was yeah. awesome. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It, it was one, I mean, as usual, Wrestle Kingdom, one of the greatest freaking nights that I've ever seen. Like, Yeah, it really was. That was, I don't know if it should always be two freaking days and then doing New Year Dash. Yeah, that's, that's a bit much. Like, one day in New Year's Dash is enough, but it's like you're throwing that third day in there, like, ooh. Yeah, like that's where you really begin to screw things up. It's like I, I didn't have the energy for New Year's Dash. Once I got past day two at Wrestle Kingdom, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was a way to play. I don't have it here, but the, the uh, Okada's entrance, because that was a really cool entrance. I would have liked to play it. They never isolated it, though. Yeah, it was probably it was one of the cooler ones he's had. I mean, he's had some really good ones over the years. Yeah, yeah, he really has. They do good. That's the way you should do entrances. Only have big entrances and all that stuff at events that matter. You know? Yeah. I'd like to see more of that. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much night one, which honest, honestly, on its own, it stands as a great Wrestle Kingdom. If there wasn't a night two, night one stands on its own. And that says a like lot it, right there. Right? Like, it was so what? A good four and a half hours of just nonstop amazing, like... No celebrities needed, no freaking national anthem, nothing. Just fighting for four and a half hours straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Then of course, we, we uh, jump into night two. Yeah, good old Wrestle Kingdom night two, which yeah, uh, the chaos. started with, uh, I believe, it's Jushin Thunder Liger's first match. I mean, there was a six-man tag gauntlet match. Yeah, which wound up being uh, won by Evil 
Shingo, Tagachi, and Bushi. Mm-hmm. And this is for the never open way six man tag titles. Yeah, never open way six man tag titles, which now have changed hands as well. So we start off tonight even on that with a title change. Right. But the one thing where no disrespect to the main event, what I think anybody who was watching this Wrestle Kingdom became for Jushin Thunder Liger's last ride because the team of Hiromo Takahashi and Ryu Lee versus Jushin Thunder Liger and Naiko Sano. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that the Jushin was in this and he got a lot more uh, time with everyone, you know, like he got a lot more time in the ring. He was sort of the focal point as it should be, you know. Oh, exactly. So very awesome. I would yeah, love to be able was... to see his uh his retirement ceremony or whatever, you know. Oh but, yeah, I, mean, I love how even for the commentators, you could feel that moment where I think he even said, like one of me was said, it literally just hit me. Like this is Liger's last match. This is it. Like, yeah, there'll be no more Liger after this, you know. Yeah, and it was kind of weird. Like it was, it felt even more in the case in night two. There was a sense of peace when he was coming down the ring. Mm-hmm. Like he, 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 you could tell he was more enjoying that walk than anything else. And I mean, the crowd gave him all the respect in the world, which he's deserved for a freaking thirty-year career. And I mean, the one thing. I think uh, I talked with a friend about is what Jushin meant to smaller wrestlers. He showed you don't have to be six foot eight, 350 pounds to succeed this business. Yeah. And he became an icon everywhere, like globally, when you think about this. Globally. Yeah, there's, before there, became there's a no thing wrestling to have company like out there that doesn't wrestlers. know that name. Yeah, before it became a thing to have foreign wrestlers, he was on Nitro. You know, he yeah, was on he, NXT. Let's not forget, he showed up at NXT. That man came to NXT and worked with talent there. Yeah. yeah, one of the most infamous takeover matches when he and Tyler Breeze went to uh, Tyler Breeze burned the house down. You know, and it was it was really something special. You know, people have grown he, up on him. He was like literally he was a household name there. You know? Hell, um, in that first eighteen months of Samoa Joe's TNA career, one of his victories is against Jushin Thunder Liger at a Bound for Glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Liger meant a lot to a lot of people. It's kind of crazy to see how many different faces he probably saw over those thirty years. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely something special. So, yeah. you know, it's the end of an era, man. Like I was telling you before, we're starting to see like a lot of old timers um, no longer be part of the companies anymore. As sad as it is, you know, it's crazy. And he was one of the people responsible for basically bringing up a lot of that talent that we're seeing. You know what I mean? Like he was he was their teacher, you know? Yeah, it's just it's weird to see to know that this time next year, even now as we speak, there's no more juice and thunder like or like that's it. Yeah, it's over. You know, yeah, exactly. well, it was a hell of a career. Thing and as the hashtag was going all over Twitter, thank you, Liger. Yeah. Th- this this year definitely did him justice. You know. Oh, I would say hands that down. like this year by far definitely did him justice. You know. And, yeah, um, it was much deserved. I mean I hats off to one hell of a career. Yeah, I'm going to see. I'm going to grab a little. I think I found a clip here. Give me just a couple minutes to load it. But I'm going to grab a little of this retirement that happened in New Year's Dash. Even though we didn't see New Year's Dash yet, we're probably not going to talk about it, obviously, because we didn't see it. But um, I would like yeah. to see a little bit of the retirement ceremony and see, uh, you know, just the final send off of Jushin. Because honestly, at this point, I was all wrestled out with them anyway. You know, 
So right. I really just wanted to like that was something that was a big deal for me. When this, when his match came on, normally I'm like working or writing notes or doing things through wrestling. Like I stopped everything and out of respect, I paid full attention to his final match. You know, there was nothing that interrupted me. I flipped my phone over. It was like, I'm going to sit and watch Jushin Thunder Liger's final match. You know, it was just one of those respect things for me. That being said, yeah, I did find a clip. I don't know how much or how good it's going to be, guys, but this is uh, his retirement ceremony here. Emotional moment for everyone here. Finally, Tanahashi wants everybody to sing. Do you know the words? Should we sing on air? I'm not going to try. Let's lay out and see how they do. Come on, Kevin. Yeah, come on. I don't know the words. Chris, you know the words. I know you do. I know the stuff. Come on. Oh, this is just wonderful. The whole crowd still standing on their feet. In respect for the man who's given 31 years of his life to wrestling. Oh, it's written down. Oh, we got oh, we got the touch here. Go, Chris. You got to translate. Oh, no. I'm not going to know. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to be beat. He won't beat me. My God, son. That's why it's Tanahashi singing along. <laughs> it will be Tanahashi. <laughs> Let's at least do the last one. Laga, Laga, Laga. Oh, that's what I can do. Commentary just needed to shut up during this. Right. Okay, job well done indeed to Jushin Thunder Laga. We'll hear more from him, I'm sure, on the commentary desks on the Japanese feeds going forward. But... So Liger is that both of his retirement matches. Wow, I know it's a part of life and everything, but that sucks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's a weird feeling, like just seeing him walk through that curtain and knowing, like, that's it, that's the career. Yeah, like man, that was it. I saw Dushin Thunder Liger's career. Yeah, it was a hell of a one for sure, though. Yeah, you see, and that's still the good because, uh. You know, I've, I've heard it from, we're going to go into it a little bit more tonight. Like we've heard a lot of wrestling, wrestlers specifically, and people in the business say that a lot of uh, shows and dirt sheets and reports that everyone, all the fans, basically, they just want to criticize and everyone to talk about anything good. 
And I disagree because those are the things that make me love wrestling. You know, like it's just yeah. not present in the stuff that we have to cover on a weekly, more regular basis. But those are the things where it's like, yeah, I was though that reminds you why it's so great to be a wrestling fan. You can't get that anywhere. So, else. Sometimes wrestling is just cool and that's a moment right there when it was just cool mm-hmm. you got to see a guy who's been doing this for three decades just get to say i had my fun i'm done and that's it yeah exactly and like so. in that the whole ceremony it wasn't just saying a goodbye it was just letting them have fun mm-hmm. like so, so let's see everybody could sing the song singing the song with tanahashi it, it you could tell there was a moment of like it wasn't like hey I'm too beat up to do this anymore it was just I've been doing this thirty years I don't have a reason to be to do this anymore so I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my leave and let everybody else do their thing yeah and that's cool you know and like I said so when they say oh you know people are just fans are just looking for things it's cool to complain now you can't believe that fans literally only desire in life is to experience negativity. And then complain about it. That's such a foolish stance to take. People just want to fucking be miserable and just complain about, no, maybe you're making them miserable. And they're just actually conveying that message to you. I think that's actually how nature made us is that when something sucks, we convey it through words or screams or cries or whatever. No one organically just decides or has the urge to just shit on the thing that they care about. Maybe they'll shit on other things. But the point being that there's still a soul in wrestling. It's just not in the weeklies, you know, because I really dug that. And I, um, I think going into this year, I'm going to probably stick more to the new Japan stuff and the other things just because I'm, I'm so like, I feel numb when it comes to the other things beyond that. Yeah. The other stuff just more enjoyable. Like you should watch wrestling and be enjoying it all the time. We can't wait to talk about the good stuff instead of having a search for the good stuff amongst the shit. Yeah. And that's the part that kind of puts me off, you know, like you shouldn't be watching a wrestling show and be surprised when it's good. Yeah. You know. We're never surprised that Wrestle Kingdom is fantastic. We're surprised everybody's alive for New Year's Dash, but we're never surprised that it's good. <laughs> no, it's been good. And like I said, I'm not trying to be an elitist or anything, but it was good before I understood. You know what I mean? Like, I remember just acquiring it in different ways or finding it online before they sent Jim Ross out there, before there was a Bullet Club. You know, I looked through one of my yeah. old storage units the other day and i had new japan going back to the beginning of the decade and i just remember seeing it then and not having subtitles or any context but knowing how good it was and seeing it and being into it and i remember the characters especially people like tanahashi and okada and nakamura i remember them selling me 100 percent on who they were with no subtitles and nothing else to go by and just loving them loving the characters the expressions the personalities the moves in the ring um and it's definitely special. It's, it's special when a, when a brand is able to do that for you, you know. So, Pretty much. Yeah, kudos to them for having such an incredible brand. Like I said, I don't think I've given them nearly enough attention. I spend too much time worrying, and I think a lot of the, the, the bookers and writers and people that are within WW, I think I will take their fucking advice this year. I think I'll find less shit to complain about more things I enjoy. Unfortunately, based on those rules, that might exclude a lot of the shit that they're coming out with. 
Exactly. That might exclude a lot point. of a lot of nine ninety nine payments, if you know what I mean. That might exclude <laughs> a lot of eighty dollar annual games. It might be a cheaper fucking path that I now go on based on their advice. Just saying, your Wednesday block is on free TV now. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, before we go into I mean, night two, Jericho, he's never done giving messages because he sends a message to Tanahashi. Tanahashi. As we speak, night one of Wrestle Kingdom 14 is taking place in the Tokyo Dome. There's going to be some huge matches, some great matches, but the match everybody is talking about, not only in Japan, but across the entire wrestling world, especially in the United States, is Jericho versus Tanahashi, the ace versus the pain maker, the hero of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Here's your chance, Tana. If you can beat me at the Tokyo Dome, at Wrestle Kingdom, night two, you will be granted a title shot for the AEW Championship. You get a chance to open the forbidden door. You get a chance to possibly bridge the rift between the two biggest companies in the world today. From a fan standpoint, the two companies with the most goodwill amongst hardcore fans and you, Tana, could be the one to bring those worlds together. All you got to do is beat Chris Jericho tomorrow night in the Tokyo Dome. You've won a lot of big matches, Tana. You've won the most IWGP championships. And now you got a chance to be the second ever AEW champion. You think you can do it? I don't think so. But the world does. And all the questions will be answered at the Tokyo Dome tomorrow night. I'll see you there. Bakahashi. <laughs> Look at that. That hotel room's right above the Tokyo Dome. Fighting words. <laughs> Beautiful. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Let us continue down our New Japan Wrestle Kingdom journey. Yep, the fun doesn't stop because up next, another title match. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles on the line. Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo defending against Rapungi 3K. Mm -hmm. And another title change because Rapungi 3K claimed the Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. I wish we, I wish there were more clips already, but yo, no pun intended. That, stupid. <laughs> that entrance was something that was else. So that, much fun. What the hell? They had freaking Rocky Romero coming out of a hologram in their watches, like if they were spies on a mission. What were they? What were they trying to be? Is is Joe Wall still awake? He would usually know, right? Like, what were they? What was I that feel, taken from? Oh, you know, it was, like, it was movie I feel, like, it, I feel sure. like, like, I feel like that. I feel like that's what wrestling is going to be in the future. And then instead they put of them sending and you shit? out, instead of like sending like one of the one of the agents to be like, "Hey, your match is up next," they just sink you on your watch. Hey, you're up next. It was it was crazy, you know. <laughs> it was crazy. I loved it. it was... I remember seeing it and just being like, "Really? That's your entrance? Like you guys aren't playing around, huh?" And then oh, what the hell was that? Rocky was shooting. He had like some sort of a gun with him. It, it, it was like um, it was almost like a smoke gun in a sense. Like it just. 
Yeah. I, I I guess it was like kind of what the pyro is when you ever do they do smoke, but they just had it like in a gun. I think what it was, I think it was like a CO two tank or something. Yeah, I was that was crazy. You know, very oh, good info. Yeah, I mean, hell of a match between these two teams as well. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, those guys have come a long way. They looked really good in the ring. You know, so many title changes. You know what I mean? I don't even know what to say about all these freaking title changes. You know. Uh, and then look at this. Once again, on top of it being another title change, who loses? Phantasmo, El, El, El Phantasmo, and Taiji Ishimori. Why is this more significant? More Bullet Club guys. Exactly, because those guys are now also in the Bullet Club, which there's a lot more Japanese people in the Bullet Club now than there are Americans. I don't know if anybody's noticed that. And now we can say every fucking person in the Bullet Club, including people. What the hell's Ishimori, of all people? doing in the bullet club that that guy's from noah he's a great he's a great wrestler who's gonna be next in there marafuji you know <laughs> and have marafuji and ishimori both in the fucking bullet club along with phantasmo like what is this whose oh bullet club is this <laughs> this isn't my bullet club yeah right this isn't my bullet club man my bullet clubs in wwe and and fucking uh and aew <laughs> and even in fucking nxt because you have adam cole over there yeah you know what I mean? It's just, it's just so weird that that this it's is kind the of Bullet funny. Club. All the Bullet Club alum that aren't in New Japan are doing fantastic. Yo, the Bullet Club ain't shit. Cho and Yo beat up two of their guys for titles. Wait, 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 wait. Who did it? <laughs> oh boy, do we even still have the ball? We better still have the ball, right? <laughs> He's gotta be here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, especially not at their champions, right? Oh yeah, we gotta right. give them the respect. Sho and. That's one of my favorite drops, I swear. Yo, everyone kicked the shit out of those guys. <laughs> they took their lunch money. Oh, my God. But, yeah, congrats to Show and Yo. Well-deserved. Yeah, man. You know, that is especially awesome. Oh, yeah, great. Fantastic tag team. They, Like you said, they've come a long way. And those two earned that win. Mm-hmm. Next, we get... The Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship on the line with Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Sonata, who can't catch a break. I was just talking about this. <laughs> like, damn, uh, Sonata, I thought you was going to be the British champion. Ah, uh, boo-boo. Yeah, nah, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't make it here. You know, we stood with Zack Sabre and, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this entire situation. I mean, at the end of the day, that's not even their belt, right? Yeah, it's not. It's a Revolution Pro Wrestling. Look at that. Two belts on the line from other companies. The uh, AEW World Championship and the Rev Pro British Heavyweight title. You know. God what, almighty. What were your thoughts on this here, Sonata, Zack Sabre? Um, the funny thing about it is they were kind of playing like Sonata wasn't going to win this because the one thing they kept going back to was the fact that uh, Sonata hasn't won a singles championship in New Japan yet. But you see, I thought that they were doing that because he was going to. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was just like, okay, so that means this is going to be the night. And then he lost a match, and I was like, I guess this isn't the night. There was a lot of that in this pay-per-view. People were like, oh, you know, this person hasn't won a match in a long time. Tonight, they're going to have to show us something. One, two, three. Oh, still didn't show us nothing. <laughs> and it was just like, all right, I guess, you know. Nothing. <laughs> guess not happening. Yeah, but this is a really tactical match, though, for sure. Like, 
Yeah, but it's what he expected it to be. I mean, it's a freaking Zack Sabre Jr. match. Like, when do we not get these technical displays with him? And you're okay with the outcome? Uh, I mean, I've always been, I've always enjoyed Zack Sabre Jr. But I would have liked to see Sonata get this one. I mean, damn it, the kid needs it. Like, he can't just be winning tag titles his whole career. Like, he's got to get a singles win. Like, he, at this point, he kind of need. at this point, realistically, he needs it. Because I want to say, I think even Evil's been a singles champion before, I believe. Uh, yes, he has. I forget what title, but he's definitely been a never champion. open weight championship, right? Yeah, because I remember him walking around with it many a time. I don't know about Bushi, but I mean, it's like, it, it's good. If Bushi hasn't been a champion, then that's only one other person who hasn't won a single title besides him. Did he not win one? I thought he had one too. I, I, I don't know if Bushi has. I can't remember if Bushi has. I feel like he might have been like maybe junior heavyweight champion before. Yeah. Might have been brief. Might have been a long time ago. But either way, it's like when you look at everybody at LIJ right now, he's kind of been the least successful out of the group. Yeah, he really has. But he's got to he's gotta have some kind of a breakthrough. And the sooner the better because he can't keep showing up at Wrestle Kingdom and then losing when it comes to these championship matches. It's just it's killing your stock. Like Yeah, I mean the only thing you could hope for is that in twenty twenty he has some kind of a breakthrough because he needs it. Yeah, he is hoping for a better year for that guy, right? We we don't need you back in the revolution, dude. Don't do it. So then we get the IWGP United States heavyweight championship on the line, John Moxley defending against Juice Robinson being accompanied by David Finley. Yeah, the finish of this match is a a double arm DDT followed immediately by a death. This dude, this dude hit him with the WWE finisher, and then chained (laughs) it into the real hardcore death rider. That's what it really was. It was a regular. It was a dirty deed. It was a a fucking death rider. I remember just my jaw going. It was like that's bad. Like he definitely don't mess with him again. What I love about that transition is it treated the dirty deeds as if it was like the stall. Yeah. Just a I love how it was the transition into the fucking Death Rider. Listen, I love Juice Robinson and David Finley, but you motherfuckers are gonna need more than new haircuts if you're gonna fight him. Exactly. This This man kills people. This man's killed people before. You know, he's what I love. What I love about this match is it started out just like a grappling display and then it just turned to them just beating the shit out of each other. Like, it's funny to me to think that this is the same guy who used to be CJ Parker who got barreled over by Kevin Owens' NXT debut. And then he hit Kevin Owens with that shitty palm strike that fucked up his nose on his title win. And now this kid is freaking like, there was, there was. I, I went into this match where I was like, I wouldn't even be shocked if he got his win back against Box, but it's like, he, he's come a long way, so even him losing this match did not hurt him. Yeah. I mean, he's already, he was walking away with championships no matter what, so he was on house money. Uh-huh. And, uh, at point, Moxley, he was, um, you got to say at that point, the only thing he was looking to do, which was basically, in a sense, be either Naito or Okada to the punch, which we're going to get into later. Mm-hmm, exactly. But yeah, Moxley's looking great over there. I heard Renee saying on, uh, I forget what show, you know, WWE has a little, I think the bump, one of them, I forget them, either the bump or backstage, she was saying that it's just, she feels like, because she was in Japan, and she, you know, she enjoyed the matches, and she loved everything there. But she said it's to the point where she feels like she can't even talk about anything with Moxley. 
without the internet acting like that she's gonna jump ship and that there's so much wrestling going on everybody seems to chill out and i kind of agree with her like every single time yeah, it's like it, oh i'm gonna jump ship it, i mean it's only they're, like they're only married okay like is, is that's the problem with the wrestling world nowadays so many of these internet marks just look for little things just to fucking just to fucking jump ship about like got like it, it's to the point where there's been times where um i've seen on shinsuke nakamura's instagram There'll be times when he's just hanging out with Okada and everybody thinks, oh, he's leaving into Japan. And it's like, no, they've been friends for fucking years. Maybe they just happened to meet up. Maybe they were doing a tour of Japan. Maybe and New Japan was doing one of their um their G1 specials. They might just happen to meet up. It's possible to be friends with outside with somebody outside of a company and just want to show up. I mean, freaking Adam Cole's contract, I think, is up in August. Everybody's already like, oh, he's going to go to AEW with Britt Baker. And it's like, no, maybe he's just dating Britt Baker. Yeah. Never rule out the fact that people from AEW will start to defect over to WWE. Right. Nobody ever thinks, nobody ever likes to think of that part. I've been watching wrestling my entire life, you know, the better of, of over three decades. And you know what? The seesaw always, the weight shifts to the other side and then back to the other side again. They'll have to let people go. They'll have people who want to leave. It's not going to be work something that works for everyone. And I hate to put it this way, but if there were people back in the day that prefer TNA over WWE, then anything's possible. (laughs) Think about the fact that a company like TNA had people at one time like Bobby Roode and AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Abyss. And then the WWE was offering them contracts and they were like, no, we'd rather stay here in TNA. We're really happy here. Think about that weird paradox. And only people who tolerated that and only people who tolerated that shit like us couldn't understand how come we couldn't have an AJ Styles somewhere out of here. It was just like, I can't even believe he's still there. This is the most loyal man in the world. (laughs) You know, it's just like, get the (laughs) fuck out of there already, AJ. Jesus. People started freaking towards the end. I remember when Bret Hart put into perspective, we played the interview on here where Bret said, uh, you know, and he said this about Sting, where he basically said that it would be really sad if Sting doesn't spend his career without getting to, you know, experience that. And then I mean, it made me think of AJ, where it was just like, imagine if there, if we live in a world where we were always aware of a guy named AJ Styles, who's this great, phenomenal wrestler, and he never goes to WWE. It almost came. It almost happened, man. There was almost a world where that would have never, we've never been at WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble. It would have just been the fucking lethal lockdown, which my favorite. TNA pay per view, but that would have been the, the the highest he goes. He would he his his max would have been the Dixieland match. Yeah, <laughs> jobbing out to Magnus every fucking week, having a whole locker room come out and beat his ass every week. This is why New Japan, when they were offered, they you know because when you think about that 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 story you reported on earlier, look at what they what what basically Access TV slash TNA told New Japan. They said, look, we own your channel. We own the channel that you're on now, but you guys don't have to leave. We like Japanese wrestling. All you have to do is give us the same thing you were giving Ring of Honor. From now on, since we own access, we're going to have our guys go back and forth. We're all going to be happy. We're going to have fucking crossover matches and stuff. And what did New Japan say? They went, no, 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 we just, we just leave. We just leave. That was it. <laughs> think about it. Last week, last week, we didn't know all the details. Last week, all we knew was that access was like, oh shit, New Japan doesn't have an American channel anymore because TNA came and took it and all. But we didn't realize that deal. We were like, hey, look. You guys can stay on here, too. We could all have New Japan crawl. Think about it. TNA versus New Japan. And they literally went, nah, we'll just, how about, we'll just go. We'll just go back to Japan, and you guys can keep the network then. Oh, no, no. They'd rather not be on fucking American television. They'd rather not be on American television than to have to fucking deal with TNA. And I'm telling you, it's that Okada shit, man. 
They never forgave him. Remember when Okada came here? Oh, yeah. They never forgave him. him. And they made him get kidnapped and chained up and shit. You know, and they whipped his ass, like, before he became the Okada that we know. He was, like, the Green Hornet Okada for some reason, and somebody captured him. Remember that fucking horrible story they gave that guy? That's the whole reason. They never fucking forgave him for that. You know? That motherfucker saw we forgot. That fuck the Pope's still there? I remember him. You know? Yeah, it was the Pope that kidnapped him, right? Of all fucking people. Like, he doesn't look like a... He stabbed him with a fake knife. Yeah, it was Joe who was trying to come rescue him, right? Yeah, yeah, because he was a... he was Joe's little running buddy. He, he was Joe's little side. He was Joe's little Asian friend. Dude, to this day, I still hear New Japan freaking office people and Okada himself talk about that shit. That shit stayed with them. I promise you that that shit, they did not like any of that. For whatever reason, they were offended. I guess because they knew the potential of Okada at the time. And TNA just saw him as some Asian extra that they could just throw into a store. Like, think about it. They made him the fucking Green Hornet character. Like he was wearing this, the, the the outfit and everything, and then got kidnapped. Motherfucker, like, that motherfucker was the Velma of, of TNA. Fucking jinkies. <laughs> instead of Okada, he was Okado. Stop. <laughs> you know they fucked him. So they, they said, nah, you know they probably visualized that. I, could, I, I wish that we could have been a fly on the wall to see that conversation where like. They offer them that deal, and then they, they, whoever was, it was in their head saw them chained up. They saw themselves like that, like ghetto you know stuff hanging. You know, that, that, might, that might explain why he was giving oh, um, Abushi just hard ass rainmakers. These motherfuckers want me back on impact. <laughs> they had that moment, that, that moment of join me. Together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. And they just chose to fall down the fucking. <laughs> They they chose to fall down the fucking air shaft instead. They're like, nah, I'll just throw myself off this air shaft. Angelic mutiny, thank you for the host. Thank you, sir. Oh God! So let's uh, yeah, let's let's move on to some non-Kato some non-Kato content. There we go. Non-Kato oh. content. That's that's exactly what New Japan wishes that they did. Right. Yeah. yeah. Next up, speaking of two men beating the holy shit out of each other, never open weight championship off um on the line. Hiroki Goto versus it's fucking Kenta. <laughs> you know what? Put this into perspective. You know, aside from the fact that Kenta jobs out, the fact that the girlfriend was watching with me and kind of imitated Vince, and it's exactly what it looked like. Where it's just like, even even New Japan won't put you over. You know, you see, even New Japan wasn't doing. I was right. That's what I felt like. Were you kidding me? Like I like Hiroki Goto and everything, but they but Kenta already lost the damn title. I mean, in his defense, he won the title over here. Yeah, but then he lost it right back. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, he lost to Godo. Like, go at this point, it's like Godo's been the way Godo is at this point. There's no shame in losing to Godo. Which is weird how they, and we're gonna get into it, but it's weird for them to do that to Kenta, knowing what they're setting up later on. You know, because yeah. it, because it makes me think you're lucky that Godo didn't come for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hiroki Godo Kenta, very good match, very brutal, very hard hitting. Oh my god, they beat the fuck. So many times where they would throw a kick or some kind of shot and the guy would absorb it and catch it. Yeah. 
Like that spot does not look fun on any level. Yeah, I don't like the GTS club thing though. Yeah. And too many GT moves in this. It's like everybody had GT moves. GT backbreaker. GTS, the fucking GT, whatever the other one was. Yeah, it was just like a little bit too GTs for me. (laughs) (laughs) A little too GT. Is that another one? You know. By the pen, I expected to hear Don Don Coco Rodina. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, God. Or even worse, you get the American one and you get the rap song. Mm-hmm. You remember oh, that shit? <laughs> yeah, I remember that shit. Well, yeah, Kenta saw another title change. We have title changes left and right. Two nights of fucking title change. You Two know? nights and like a shit ton. Like, it was not safe to be a champion on this night. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, even with him losing, I enjoy this Kenta more than I ever did Hideo Tommy because at least it feels like when you beat Kenta, you had to earn it. Exactly, yeah. Even with him still already losing the title, Goto had to beat the shit out of him to get it all, get that belt off him. It couldn't just be any random ham and egg or who would have got that belt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for all we know, he might want to win it back. Because yeah. like I said, at this point, the fact that he won the championship, he's already miles ahead of his WWE career. Yeah. And I do like Goto. Like you said, it's not like he's losing to some scrub. He's losing to a guy who's been a multi-time open weight champion. I mean, multi-time intercontinental champion. Smash mouth is all hell. I mean, his music sounds like this man is going to murder you. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a warrior is coming out, like a great warrior. You know, that's some serious shit. Yeah, no, I like it, you know. And I guess that shows that they're doing things right. The fact that you can't just look at this company and know exactly where they're going or what they're supposed to do or what they should have done. Things just kind of happen and then you got to kind of accept it and see where it goes. And nine times out of ten, aside from the Bullet Club, it usually goes somewhere good. Japan's always had the vibe of like anybody can get beaten at any time by anybody. Like if they're in that spot, they have a chance to win. Yeah, exactly. They don't just hand out title shots over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then next we had uh, Jay White versus By God He's Still Alive, Kota Ibushi. Look at that, and what is that? Oh, what is that? One and eight for the Bullet Club? Yeah. <laughs> Jay White was the only one Jay White went over Kota Ibushi. It was a miracle, and you know what? It took everything. It took all of the cheap tricks in the world. It took the ref to be down. It took Mike Kyoto to be knocked down in fucking America at the same time. It took everything. It was like they literally had to pull every heel trick in the book with the distraction. When he finally hit the freaking, that that crucifix sit out powerbomb, the fucking ref wasn't there. You know, it was just like uh, blah. And uh, he still got to do his demon form, which was cool. You know, yeah, I like that, but um, I don't know. Once again, Kota Ibushi, man, what's up with this? You have a demon form, but the guy's not getting wins. Yeah, he's been having a rough. They they even conveyed it afterwards. He's been having a rough time lately. Mm-hmm. It's like that's just he he seemed he seemed he's been seeming really dejected. But I mean, yeah, like he took some nasty ones at the vet, some nasty hits to near the end of this match. I mean that brass knuckle shot. It looked like it looked like he legit knocked him out. Yeah, and just some of the stuff that he was throwing at White, like some of those clotheslines, sounded horrible. Yeah, absolutely. It was rough. It was pretty crazy stuff going on. 
Yeah, like I said, at this point, Abuji is going to win that world championship, not just on ability, but it's going to be the fact of like you're not going to be able to go hard enough to beat the kid. I want to see him there. I think that that's a guy who needs to be at the top. It's Kota Abuji. It's it's in the cards. Like that match with Okada showed. Like, and I've he's been saying it this close. I've been saying it since before he was in the Cruiserweight Classic about Kota Abuji. I mean, like that guy, and at the time he wasn't considered a big deal. It's like that dude is a big deal. And I'm glad that it looks like that's the direction they're going. And even if they're doing a slow burn there, because he's like, he's losing, he's dropping out, even though he has this, this, uh, Sasuno Haro shit in him. You yeah. Know? They're, they're showing like the fact that he went to war with Okada like that, because at this point, going to war with Okada like that, even in loss, is still like a gateway to that world championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the same thing with Omega. He lost Omega that basically, even though that second one was a time limit draw, he basically lost him twice. But each time he got closer than the last. Mm-hmm. So they show like, hey, this is highly possible this can happen. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, definitely very good. And by the way, just to double back a little bit, the John Moxley match, we didn't talk about what happened afterwards, which is freaking Minoru Suzuki comes out. Yeah, and pretty much calls his shot. He wants that U.S. title. It's funny because when he came to the ring, like, you see him taking off his stuff. But I still didn't think that it was going to be any type of physicality. I thought they'd have like a nose to nose and they just started fucking each other up. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that already. And uh, I like how I still waited for that one part of his entrance, though. Yeah, cause it. <laughs> <laughs> and he got into the ring and he fucks up Moxley and he talks over his body in Japanese. They translate it to basically says, who the hell do you think you are? I'm the king of pro wrestling around here. You know, and uh, yeah, rough day for Moxley. I do like him also Yo. regaining consciousness and going after the the ref that's trying to wake him. Like he did the UFC yeah. thing where he's not fully conscious, so he he doesn't realize the fight's over and he's trying to. Uh, he, he he did that thing when you snap back in and you just grab the first thing moving. Yeah, and what <laughs> I love about that is he's still staggering, rolls out of the ring, looking around like doesn't know what's going on, and all he hears is the crowd go Kazanita, like again. <laughs> <laughs> like just the timing, you know, you're coming to what the fuck happened, and then that shit happens again. <laughs> Yo, when those two finally touch, it is going to be horrible. Those two are going to beat the shit out of each other. And that's something that I'm really looking forward oh, to. I can't wait for the hear the day that match gets announced. That's gonna be fun. I mean, it probably two men that do not give a fuck about another man's safety. Yeah, man. Good stuff happening oh, there. Be scary. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then we had uh, Jericho against Tanahashi. Finally, the match for the AEW title match. And that's it. Tanahashi will be on AEW Dynamite this upcoming. No, he won't. It was what Just we kidding. This is with a um, predictably yeah, basically a lion tamer. Gets him with the tap. Yeah, causes him to tap out after a very he long time on that lion tamer. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, there he goes. Ace tapped. But it was expected. I kind of knew once they put that title on the line, that title shot on the line, because there isn't really any kind of a connection between AEW and New Japan. As much as people claim that there is, and Jericho's allegedly trying to make it happen, there doesn't seem to be any indication. And uh Tony Khan, it was his choice not to mention the AEW title being on the line in New Japan Pro Wrestling, whereas New Japan decided to do so. So, you know, take what you will from that. Yeah. But it doesn't say yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like a full blown opening to a working relationship yet, but could be maybe testing the waters, seeing what happens, but we could hope. It would be great definitely to see that happen for sure though. 
One cool uh, thing to see was uh, Jericho, even after this many years in the business, tried something new. Mm-hmm. Jericho attempted his first ever frog splash, which uh, he did reveal on Twitter. That was basically a little tribute to Eddie. Yep, he figured when he's his heaviest, now would be a good time to... Uh, no, I'm kidding. Totally <laughs> kidding. You know, I don't believe that shit, but yeah, you know. Frog splash. Yeah, but I mean, hey, it's kind of funny that after all these years, it's still like, you know what, let me try this. And by the form, you could tell it was his first one. Because yeah. like, you could tell what somebody's been doing frog splashes for a while, because it seems like everybody has their own little form to get through it. It wouldn't make sense for a champion as hot as Jericho and AEW to lower his stock losing in New Japan to Tanahashi right now. Right. Yeah, it's have, too soon into the run. Right. They have to consider that. You know, so I'm pretty sure they did. And I never thought that he would lose there. That's probably part of the agreement going into this. Like, I don't think he would have had that match if it would have been to lose while he's the AEW champion. It's not a good look for that company either, especially since they're still uh, fairly new and they're in the building phases. You got a strong heel world champion that should look strong at all times, which does look strong at all times, not just here, but literally like at all times in his career. Why now job out when you're the hottest you've ever been? So they just probably had to go with that. And that's why there was no danger in saying it's for the AEW championship because it would never have happened. (laughs) Pretty much. That doesn't mean it never will happen, but that just means that they're not there at this point in time and everybody's getting super excited, but we're not there yet. You never know what the future may hold. But uh, at this point, I don't really think that it matters if we're there or not because AEW is pretty flexible and they're letting their guys go to New Japan. So it's really yeah, New Japan. Two of their guys were over, two of their guys were over there. It's really up to them to extend that courtesy. So IWGP Heavyweight Championship slash IWGP Intercontinental Championship both on the line in this double championship match. Yep. With Basically, uh, briefly going back to night one, this was was, was going this was well, for grabs in those two title matches. The winners face off to be the first ever dual champion in New Japan. Yes, and like I had hoped, Tetsuya Naito finally he goes over. He's the double champion now, knocking. Okada yeah, I believe it was uh, it was two finishers that he hit with the same go. I can't remember what the first one was called, but then he followed it up with a uh, Destino. Uh-huh. And freaking shocks the world. Like he Yeah. And he actually I think what he he broke out an old move of his uh the Stardust Press as well in this match. Yeah, he was pulling out all the stops. Oh, dude, they went they went hard in this one. It was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what it is with Okada and some of these top rope bumps he takes. And you know the one I'm talking about. This fucker took a poison rana from the top rope and landed on his head. Yeah. And he bounced. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> I've seen him do that shit before. He did it in the first fucking Omega match with that dragon suplex from the top rope. I thought he was dead. I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> match over. <laughs> And it was the fight like they kept kicking out of each other's finishers. Everything they threw at each other, they kept going. Yeah. And, and uh, what was kind of interesting and what really conveyed the fact that Naito felt that he had to win this match, Naito came out with no mask on. Mm-hmm. I don't and, think I've seen him do that before. And he was very well dressed for the occasion as well. He had a oh, championship sure. outfit. Yeah, they, oh my God, they absolutely smashed it. They that's how you close a Wrestle Kingdom with Naito finally getting his place in history 
now a five-time Intercontinental Champion, and now a two-time Heavyweight Champion. And it was just the, the eruption from that crowd when he finally got that win, because I think a lot of people have been wanting Naito to have this moment for a long time. He didn't get it like he did the first time he won that World Championship. And with the Intercontinental Championship, we're so used to it, it's not really anything new. But to have these kind of stakes on the line and then Okada not be the one to get the nod, like, it, it was insane. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it was really cool. I thought that that finished very definitive for somebody like Okada, who's OP anyway. You know, like you've mentioned, the star that's press callback. Um, what's the other thing? The the Valenti? And Valenti, the, I think that's what it was called. And then the uh, Destino, just to top Valenti it off. Right the the, point, which we knew at that point it was the end after all those other false finishes. It would have been shit if it wasn't. You know, so it, it would uh, at that point I'm like, okay, somebody has to shoot the other one at this point for the end. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't end there. Because when he's giving his championship speech It's fucking, fucking Kenta. Kenta who who lost to Hiroki Goto earlier in the match, attacks him and puts his and he basically sits Indian style on top of him, basically has his balls in his face. Yeah. And basically picks up both titles. So, and I love the heat Kenta got from that. Yeah, no one wanted that moment spoiled. I have mixed feelings, man. At the moment, I'm going to let it marinate for a little bit, but I can't say that I'm super excited about the first feud of Tetsuya Naito being Kenta right now. And it's mainly because it's not like Kenta has a lot of momentum going into this. Like, he just lost to Hiroki Goto for a different title. And now he's going after, like, the top guy as the first feud. I don't know. I don't know what I wanted, but... uh. I mean, Kenta's good and everything, you know, but again, there's just the momentum right here. We'll have to see where this goes and how they're going to handle it. What are your yeah, thoughts on it? could be. I mean, it could be a case of how they did with uh, Naito when Jericho came over. You have that initial attack to let it know it's there, but then you let it build as time goes on. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. But that was a very interesting end to uh, to Wrestle Kingdom. It left things open. And again, we're not going to cover New Year's Dash because that came on at 3 a.m. Monday morning. I know a lot of you went to work and straight from work you come home, you watch Raw, and then you're listening to this. And uh, I don't want to spoil too much with that. That's why we only did the uh, the ceremony, the retirement ceremony for Jushin Thunder Liger. But we'll get into that more next week. Uh, yeah, definitely good. How would you rate this? I'd give it like five stars, especially that main event. That main event. Oh, six. <laughs> Six star? Oh, you're giving it a Meltzer rating. Look at that. Oh, shit. yeah, a Meltzer edition. Like, yeah. um, Wrestle Kingdom is my favorite event every year because it never disappoints. Yeah, it is really good. And uh, I'm hoping for a shorter one. Here's to a shorter one, no matter what. But I do <laughs> like what we got nonetheless. And, uh, okay, well, you have any other stories or anything to cover? I mean, maybe we should talk a little bit about the ratings, right? Well, yeah, you know that's what we've been doing. That's the new thing around here to talk about the ratings. And uh, basically, AEW did excellent this week. They did nine hundred sixty-seven thousand views versus NXT's five hundred forty-eight thousand. That's a big gap. That's almost four hundred thousand viewers of a gap between the two. Now you can speculate. That maybe this is because of the fact that people were aware that NXT's episode, I think it was just one of those best of things. They didn't really have any yeah, original. It was episode. on the new the year end awards. 
Yeah, you see what I mean? And with the year-end awards, it's something where, like, they just... All they did was show the... the uh, we'll get into it, but they showed the brackets of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Tournament. And uh, if people were aware of it, then they're going to watch the show that has new content. So, I mean, we yeah. can't really say what exactly it's going to be like until this upcoming Wednesday. This upcoming Wednesday is a good example because it's been it's been seesawing back and forth, you know? So, yeah. But then I guess... <clears throat> Also, on the other hand, we talked what NXT last week did like 700,000 something. Yeah. And that was against no AEW at all. Yeah. So it was an interesting spot. It's, it's weird because yeah. now we're in, now we're getting into where everything's out of the way. Now we're going to start seeing like there's no excuses here. There's nothing happening. There's no Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving. There's no holidays. It's like now we're going to start seeing everyone has live shows. Everyone has a good start. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do in regards to that. You know, uh, SmackDown, their viewership has dropped. They had 2.418 million viewers, which was down from the previous week's 2.439 million. Uh, not too drastic of a difference. 0.7 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. We're going to expect that, though. Again, this is a ratings week where it's like, how much of it can you really factor in with New Year's and everything? You know, look at Backstage. They had Backstage, uh, that WWE Backstage show, which I keep saying I can't understand why you would have a show late at night in a time slot that would normally be after wrestling on a night where there is no wrestling. So you basically have to, on a Tuesday, after being burnt up from Smack, from Raw, go, hmm, it's 11 at night. Think I'll tune in to basically a fucking kickoff show. To talk about and I get that they have you know it's edgy and Renee and them seem to be able to do whatever the hell they want W is too scared to tell Fox to stop fucking around so everyone just seems to run that show which is great but it's such a terrible time slot that being said it was New Year's Eve so it's even worse it's on a Tuesday with 60 minutes to midnight think I'll go watch some interview show you know so it's weird because on Christmas Eve they did 153,000 viewers I guess people don't give as much of a shit about Christmas when it comes to New Year's, they did 97,000. They dropped an entire 50,000 viewers. <laughs> but but again, this is the fact that it's New Year's Eve. Maybe people, more people want to be around for the ball dropping. Nothing happens Christmas Eve at midnight. It's not like there's a countdown that happens at that exact 12 that people like to celebrate. It's like, sure, they go into the next thing. Some people open presents, but it's not like a timer. The world doesn't pop. So it's a bad idea to have a interview show on a tuesday normally late at night normally new year's eve definitely i'm amazed they even found ninety-seven thousand people <laughs> you know <laughs> and then they didn't have much going on either they just had the top five matches of 2019 so ratings yeah. again got to see what the comparison next week then you got raw on the other hand of last week 2.439 thousand it was up it was up fucking significantly because the week before that was 1.835 million. 2.439 million now. Think about that. That is significant. That's, That's about 600 million more viewers. And you know why? You know what really, really, really <laughs> helped them dominate? That is a big jump. You know what really, really shot those numbers into the moon? The sick kids. Oh. <laughs> The wedding, that wedding saved their butts. 
Oh, God. That fucking wedding is what shot the viewership up. It worked, you know, the wedding worked in the, in the sense, in every booking sense of the word, that was a strategically sound move, I guess, because it had the effect that you try to get when you have a time slot like that. It was a draw. It was probably their biggest draw. That's depressing when Lana and Lashley are your biggest draw for the night. Because people like seeing train wrecks. You know? that, yeah, that's what it is. Like, it was a draw in the sense of a lot of people watched it, but they only watched it because they wanted to watch it fail. They wanted to watch it again because Lana and Lashley's wedding had one million views. There were two videos of it, and they both had one million views. And Randy Orton's pretend speech also did one million views. So those are the only two things that people gave a shit about in regards to the YouTube demographic. Like, people just go in there and click the things. Those were the only draws there. So, but the Rusev Lana thing, man, whether you like it or whether you hate it, it's there. I mean, the Rusev part's always fun because, I mean, it's Rusev being funny is just how to endure the else. other shit is the problem. So, um... Well, we're going to talk about that now because apparently from what we're hearing, uh, Vince McMahon loved how that turned out. So now he wants to do more crazy stories, but he also has to try to balance things out to satisfy the USA Network and all of the sponsors. So, and that overrun that we experienced last week, that was like a special thing that USA gave them. It's not, the overrun's not back. It was just for that, that wedding. That's how, that's how much stock they're investing in this. It's all over the place, you know, and uh, Lana tweeted out about it. She's like, why is everyone so surprised that Liv Morgan is in love with me? Rusev is still in love with me. All my exes are still in love with me. The entire WWE universe is still is in love with me. And they're not brave enough like Liv to come and admit her truth. So don't hate, appreciate. Yeah, she's so damn obnoxious. <laughs> no, bitch. No. Yeah, most of the fans want to hate. Fuck you. They're conflicted. <laughs> your feelings betray you jedi <laughs> you know but um she also sent out a tweet basically saying uh that she said you shouldn't assume someone's sexuality uh she said don't assume someone's sexuality just because they're not outspoken in the lgbtq community doesn't mean that they're not pansexual bisexual gay transgender or trying to process their sexuality even if they are married for many it's complicated Please have compassion. I guess that's her way of coming out. There's even a story. I mean, I don't know how much of a coming out. And that's the thing. Everybody's referring to it as a lesbian story, lesbian story. It's a bisexual story, if you ask me. You know? I mean, sure, she's a lesbian, but she's bisexual, which makes her not a lesbian. She's fucking bisexual, you know? At least the character Lana, you know, has emphasized throughout this entire angle that she's been taking a bit of dick. Or lastly, the cover-up. You know, yeah, he's the decoy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, my perfect world last is the decoy. After her, that one's the decoy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be the greatest twist to just bring out that later on down the road. Just fucking Lashley was just like, <laughs> Lana was the Chris Christie of fucking Monday Night Raw. Oh my god. <laughs> Lashley was the cover up all along. And then they started tweeting like videos like uh Lana put up footage of uh I guess this was her and Liv Morgan together like back in the day. There's a bunch of footage of the two of them. Yeah, I'm 
so hungry. I don't know what is there around that the two of us can possibly eat. Do you think of anything? <laughs> what can they eat? What do you think they Pot eat? Pockets. Yeah, they ate something. All right. <laughs> they have fish. You know, I'm gonna need to get the drop of a uh, scissor me timbers, Mister Garrison. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's some scissoring. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scissor. <laughs> I was loving when scissor me timbers. <laughs> My favorite part of the episode is when they go have the first victory outside of the bar and Garrison looks up and goes, Last balls! <laughs> Fucking crazy. Oh, I gotta watch that episode again now. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, and then they have, uh, I believe, then Liv put up a, a thing as well. Let me see if this is this any different here. So they were good friends. They were traveling buddies, and I guess they're capitalizing on that for the storyline. Like it's convenient. I feel bad. I know you guys already had your fill of Lana, but this is the hot story. We got to talk about it. Deal with it. Live there. It's okay. Yeah. But there were haters. And not just because it was poorly done, but there were just haters overall. I'm just going to give you some example. I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, so Joey Ryan, so weird of all people. He said, this is so bad. And the talent isn't at fault. It falls on the writers. Using gay for shock value perpetuates the idea that it is unusual or odd, which keeps stereotypes alive. No wonder WWE struggles to find a millennial audience. Yo, it is not that. It's. I almost am at a loss for fucking words here. First of all, using gay for shock value, as opposed to using your cock for fucking shock value, like right. that. You know what I mean? And and no one. I've never really complained about the fact that this guy suplexes people with his fucking penis as a parody character, and it's definitely for shock value. Taking a lollipop and pulling it out of your fucking trunks and putting it in somebody else's mouth and all this other shit. All of that is shock value. You know what I mean? How the fuck are you? What What are you kidding me right now? Like, you're going to be the one who speaks up? That's like, like that game. People, yo, right? That's like that game we were playing yesterday where I would have the main character who's reluctant of everything is the murderer of the party. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. All of your shit involves dick plexes and shit like that. And it's all shock value entertainment. Every and time a video of you comes up, it's somebody with it's you with another grown man's hand on your junk. Hypocrisy. And and let's go into this whole thing about uh, you know, they're basically using gay stereotypes. It's not, first of all, the shock value doesn't necessarily have to be gay. Maybe you looked at it that way since for you it's something different and unique. But when I really look at it, the shock value is the shock value that you would have in any storyline where someone makes a decision. That's not consistent with their character. That's, that doesn't have to be just, just because it happens to be with sexuality and sexual orientation. That's not the literal element of the shock value. That's the content, not the context. So basically you have a characteristic that someone exhibits that's different from who they usually are. And that's what makes it the shock. She's normally known to sleep with men. The entire angle has focused on her having intercourse with men and husbands and marriages. So the twist was that this was a female, but it wasn't to use the lesbian thing for the shock value. The shock was that it's not in her character 
to have been there. And I don't think that that makes it a bad thing. That doesn't even make sense to me how it's a bad thing. Like, and people need to stop acting like it wouldn't be shocking if someone who's straight suddenly was fucking gay. Of course it would be shocking if they're not normally known to exhibit those characteristics. It doesn't surprise me because a lot of, a lot of, uh, women exhibit bisexual tendencies anyway. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think the shock factor is, is just a shock factor. It happened to be a twist that involved the opposite yeah. sex. And everyone's acting like, oh, they used it. They used it. Let's stop acting. Just because something is accepted doesn't mean it's normally considered not a twist or a swerve, you know? Especially considering not two minutes earlier, we had a guy come out for Lana, then a girl come out for Lashley. How do you mix it up? Hey, girl comes out for Lana. Exactly. If they didn't do that, mixing it up. If they didn't do that, then you'd have the same people who are bitching about that they did do that, saying that WWE has a narrow-minded portrayal of sexuality and sexual orientation because in this wedding angle they had the opportunity to explore some sort of a bisexual or gay element to it, but they didn't bother to do it because they have a black and white perspective on the world. That's what people would have fucking said. But then then they did. They did something to please everyone. They showed of like you're right. They showed like two straight relationships, then they show one gay relationship. And there's an issue for it. What would it help? What would it help the fucking Shelton Benjamin would have came out? He would have professed his love for Bobby Lashley. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing that would have managed to accomplish was ruin Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> you know, it's just they're, they're, it's such a weird thing to complain about. Like, oh, you know, you're, you're using you're using the whole lesbian thing. So what? Is it they're not doing it in a disrespectful way? I didn't, and it, and it worked for and, what they were doing. Turn the damn show off of if that, you're that picky. Considering we came from an era of gold dust, if you got if you fuckers think this is bad, <laughs> like I and need the, you to get it together. And we came Mo- from the era of gold dust and Billy and fucking Chuck. All right, like and then Moose, he he put. I think this falls in the same category as intergender wrestling as entertainment. It's wrestling. Besides homosexuality, is normal. We should include it more often in wrestling storylines, as not all love stories are heterosexual. And that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. What you're saying they should do is what they did, and it's also what you're complaining about. That's why we can't have nice things. And that's not even a nice thing. They make us defend shitty things, because even the SJWs have to attack that. It's not even a fucking thing we cared about. We didn't appreciate it at all. We could have done without it. But they're so... They have their head so far up their ass that we're defending a shitty segment just because they have the right to have a shitty segment and SJWs can't fucking wrap that around their brain. They can't wrap that right. It's so strange. You know what it is? I think think the reason we're having to defend the shitty product, the shit that was a shitty um, angle, is because they're pointing out shit that's not actually wrong in the angle. The problem with the angle isn't the fact that it's like, oh, is Lana secretly gay or bisexual? The problem is is Lana and Lashley can't cut promos for shit. We're focused on the actual issues, not your make-believe issues. Vince Russo even chimed in on social media and he feels that they did it on purpose. He said that many years ago, Stephanie McMahon told Big Vito that he was going to be wearing a dress on TV. Why? Simply because he was my friend and they wanted to embarrass him. Unfortunately, Vito being a pro got it over. So the childish game backfired. Fast forward many years later, WWE Brass didn't like the way that Rusev and Lana were presenting themselves on social media as a couple. So again, in their juvenile ways, they attempt to embarrass the two through a storyline on TV. What happened? Rusev and Lana purposely playing the angle over the top got them both over. Lesson learned. Vince McMahon, Paul Heyman, Bruce Pritchard. If you want to get people over in 2020, 
attempt to bury them. They will simply outwork you because they know the game and are smarter. And you know what? As much as people criticize them, it doesn't sound inaccurate when we know that their behavior has those fucking tendencies to try to exactly. bury people. I never felt like they weren't trying to bury Rusev and Lana. Rusev it's only until recently was not meant that, to succeed. Yeah, none of this shit was meant to succeed. The whole thing <laughs> felt like a barrier, and you're right. They did Ru- get them over. Rusev Day was supposed to crash and burn instantly, and he he milked the living shit out of it. Yeah, you know the only the, the only thing I disagree with him is Lana getting over because Lana ain't never gonna be over a day in her fucking life. But uh, yeah, Rusev it got Rusev over, so it got Rusev over again because Rusev continued to get himself over. Yeah, I know. But yeah, so Russo, I think he's he might be onto something there because a lot of that was they just kind of threw him to the wolves and they managed to get it over. And then uh, on social media, um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. I mean, this sounds to me like they're not happy about this. Um, this is a case where I can understand it because I guess apparently they wanted to do some sort of a gay storyline, and and WWE told them it was going to happen and kept stringing them along. Do you ever heard that before? But Sonya, right after this segment, she just tweeted. Welp, my mind is blown. And then Mandy Rose tweeted saying no words. And uh, then Sony tweeted, I know my friend, I know. So they probably feel shafted, which has happened before where someone's come to WWE with a great idea and then they've used it without them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> prime example with the punk with the punk podcast. Punk talked about uh having sponsors on his shorts, and then next thing you know, Brock shows up with Jimmy John sponsors. They'll they'll give you somebody, they'll give somebody your shit. They'll take it right off of you. Sometimes they won't even give it to you to take it off. You they, they'll just be like, hey, okay, that worked. Cool, let's give it to this guy. They'll treat that shit like an RPG. They'll be like, he's going to be leaving the party soon. Unequip all his stuff. <laughs> yeah, put it on the other guy. Yeah, because he's going to be leaving in the next cutscene. There you go. Now go. This is his death scene. It's over. It's just unbelievable, man. You know, like, it's, it's a very unfortunate situation. And uh, it's funny because after that wedding went viral, um... Somebody tweeted, a fan tweeted, um, saying that WWE needs to hire Tom Casillo back as a writer because he was a former writer from WWE. And uh, the writer responded back and he said, while I appreciate the vote of confidence, those of us who have survived that place know that it would have been the exact same segment no matter who the writer was assigned to it. Once you're hired there, it's made quite clear that you that any former experience you have is inconsequential. You must relearn at the feet of one man only. Why I remember the day he invented the concept of a supporting character. It was epic to behold. <laughs> I love how he just shot the idea down. Like I'm gonna just tell you right now, I'll go back and shit changing. Yeah. It's uh it's very unfortunate. And uh I don't know. Rusev is always high on it though. You know what I mean? Like out of all people, if you've ever listened to Rusev, he's one of those people and we've talked about it here whenever he tweets, he's really he really likes this. This whole thing, he's really sold on it. Maybe he knew from the beginning that there was that it was going to lead to a lesbian twist. I'm kidding. I I, I, <laughs> I, I think I really just think Rusev because like we were we were always seeing that Rusev has a lot of fun. Rusev likes to have fun. I think the only reason he sticks with it is just because he's having a laugh on his end. Maybe that's gotta be the only reason. He got to dance with freaking No Way Jose's Kong line. I wouldn't even complain about that point. Yeah. No, very unfortunate. Um, he was on the Jerry Lawler show, though, recently, and he spoke about this angle and just about the feedback and everything. I'm going to let you guys hear this and link you to the entire episode in the chat room. 
it's such a thrill ride, Jay. And you're right. Like people hate it. People love it. You can, but there's with the power of social media, the people like started to now it's, it's almost like I want to be a cool guy and cheer against WWE. You can put the greatest segment in the history, but there will be these 3% people that are going to go ahead and bash it. And hey, you have your right. Go ahead and express it. I'm not going to judge you for it. There's some people that want to see three hours of power bombs. And hey, <laughs> kudos to you. I mean, if that's what you're into, Go ahead and find what works for you. But we are a broad company. We are entertainment. It's not about power bombs. It's not about arm drags. It's about entertaining millions and millions of people week in and week out. Right? Am I? That's not crazy. You are exactly so, right. Let me interject. I'm, I'm looking at the YouTube channel, and it's currently at 3.4 million views. And then the part with Lana after the air uh, is at 2.4 million. So yeah, it's connecting with somebody. Oh, absolutely. And the rating yeah, was great this week. I think it was up like 40 percent from last week. Yeah, it's because it proves that this works. Like, and it started such a long, long time ago, and it started from something com- with Maria Canellis. He started yep. there, and right, the way right. that everything evolved and developed, but this is putting time and thought and everything into it. It's not just, hey, let's do it now, let's finish it tomorrow. No, it takes time, people. We just sit back, relax, and enjoy it. Don't exactly. just bash everything. But also, we have people that they saw the final episode of Game of Thrones, and they want to connect enough votes to change that. But I want to issue a challenge to the WWE Universe and everybody out there, just in general. When you want to put something negative, go ahead, do it. But follow up with 10 positives. About It doesn't have to be about this, but something good. So you can all utilize social media, not just in a negative way, not just to express frustration, but also positive vibes. Let's do that. Because why, why don't everybody want to be more positive? We should all be more positive. It's so much more fun than being yeah. sour. Exactly. And that goes that goes double for wrestling fans. It seems like the wrestling fans are out there, just a ton of them are out there just looking for something that they can say they don't like about it. But you're right. They don't they, they don't take the time to talk about what they do like. I think that's really fucking unfair and untrue. You see what I mean? It's kind of like and that's what they call being in that WWE bubble where you that's like such, such an unfair thing to say that they don't even realize what they're saying like you you basically don't believe your fans like ah that's good you exactly. know like, like come on man that's, that's, there. you're basically saying we don't want to enjoy anything we never have anything positive to say but then when we do have something positive to say it might just not be about your fucking brand right now that doesn't mean yeah. that we're completely negative there's tons of things that we talk about that we really love all the time, constantly. It's not our fault that you have fucking almost six days of content. So there's more shit. There's more chances to fuck up. You know what I mean? Imagine if you were an ice skater and you had to do a triple axel 20 times in your performance. You have more likeliness to bust your ass than somebody who only does that as the highlight at the end. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're on the fucking thing six days a week. You're bound to fuck up somewhere. Even if you had the greatest writers, you're bound to fuck up somewhere. So there's just more of you to talk about. So maybe it seems like we're complaining more, communities, IWC, podcasts, dirt sheets, because there's so much more of you. And since you're shitty right now, there's so much more of you to complain about. That's not anybody else's fault. They're saturating the market in all of their fucking wrestling. It's not all good all the time. And when it is good, sometimes there's like seven or eight other things that have happened that week that are not. And sure, they have weeks where there's like five or six good things and just a few bad things. But there's so much more room for error when they're releasing that level of content and they're not even doing it carefully. 
You know, they're just exactly. trying to throw content out there. They're treating it like WWE 2K20. The way they treat that game should be a testament to what their attitude is. It's almost like as long as you get some shit out there, no one's going to care about the quality of it. Which in a lot of cases is true. There's communities that have literally founded themselves on that philosophy. Where it's like, look, man, it doesn't matter what we do as long as we do something. But it's a shit philosophy. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I think if they release quality stuff and they put thought into what they're going to execute before they did, then it would be good. And people would at least look at it and objectively have to say, I got to give it to this content was planned ahead of time. And it was thought about how it was going to be executed. It wasn't just fuck it. Let's turn everything on and go. And that's what a lot of this stuff is. A lot of it, as they call it in the business, a lot of it is hot shotting. You know, sometimes I swear and they say they don't do it. Like Rusev just said that this shit is planned well ahead of time. He made it sound literally like George R. R. Martin. Like he compared Game of Thrones fans to this, but he also compared Game of Thrones to this in the sense that he's like, you know, you guys don't have any idea how far back this story goes and how far back we thought about it. You know, like this was pretty much from season one. We had known all this path and how, like, get out of here. I, this, the thing that I watched last week, you're telling me was like a long distance slow burn. I, I refuse to believe that all that fucking time ago they had planned to lead up to that wedding. Get the fuck out of here. Or even anything close to that. Like, come on, just admit your hotshot booking. And yeah, it exactly. worked. Yeah, it worked. Of course it worked. They know what they're doing. The shock value works. But it's it not worked good. only because there are people out there who just want to torture themselves with a disappointment. They're catering to a demographic that is not wrestling fans, but not even good entertainment fans. They're starting to cater to the Jerry Springer fans. Exactly. And the Maury Povich fans, the daytime television fans. That's not catering to this audience. It's, it's, it's a little bit too much. And yeah, it got over. And I know some people liked it and everything, but it's just really hard to take their product seriously. You know, impossible I mean? for me at this point. Yeah, and and humor can be used properly, but just again, sometimes it, you don't even know what the hell they're going for. So I, I I don't know how they could know what they're going for. But again, this is my my biggest problem is him saying this whole thing about or the two of them, Lawler and him saying, "Oh, fans just they like to it's cool to hate WWE." No, it is not cool, and we always give props when something is good. Even if we were negative about it, even if we thought it was going to suck, even if it was in Saudi Arabia, no matter what the conditions, if something turns out good, we'll always come back and say, you know what? We thought that was going to be bad, but they, they made it yeah. happy. I mean, for once, we're good with this. And we, we hope but that if it comes out as shit, you're getting called out on it. And we always go, we hope that the next things go better. And we hope that this is like the beginning of a new, you know, how many fucking times have we come out here and been like, we hope that this is the beginning of them keeping that momentum for the next. We've done that like fucking hundreds of times. And they're gonna, and then we're gonna have people saying, "Oh, the fans are just looking for things to, uh, to to complain about." It almost seems like, like no, you're, you're just giving people stuff to complain about. Like, yeah, you're the giving se- me reasons to bitch every week. The segment worked because people wanted to see a train wreck, like Stacey said. They just wanted to see a train wreck, and WWE knew they were gonna give them that. It was a, it was definitely a holy Mar- a hail mary when it comes to ratings. You know, true that. Oh man. But, you know, good luck to them as far as that kind of stuff goes. But that's how that's where the ratings fall. And that's how WWE, out of all the shows we talked about, got that boost. Smackdown also, you know, everybody's boosted this week. Aside from that stupid Tuesday show that's in a weird time spot, everybody else is boosting. And they lost to their little NXT freaking weekly thing. Lost to to the actual AEW. So that's not major. 
interesting week the way this entire thing's playing out. It's different from the Monday Night Wars. I guess I don't know if it's just because I'm older or also because we just get a little bit more of a front seat, you know? Yeah. We get to really look at these ratings and see that uh, where everybody stands at the end of the week. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And I think the companies to keep your eyes out for is going to be New Japan, uh, obviously, AEW and NXT UK. Like if you're just looking to watch things that are going to have wrestling and not any weird stuff happen in the middle that you don't yeah. care for. Yeah, pretty much the two NXTs, AEW and New Japan. So. Yeah, that's where everybody is right now. That's where the money Which is. Which is kind of funny. You mentioned UK take over Blackpool is a Sunday. So there's another reason right there. So. Yeah, yeah. We don't know how our coverage is going to go because the time zone for NXT UK, you said it's the Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday, it actually is going to be at noon when it goes live. Right, so I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they would even, well, maybe the chat room will be up. I can't even promise that. You can come in and check. You don't need us to be there. I don't know my plans for a fucking noon on Sunday. Right. It wasn't going to be a pay-per-view, even if it's in NXT UK. And it, it'll be on replay, but we'll see. We'll talk about it. We'll cover it on uh, Monday, of course. Yeah. But uh, while we're talking about the uh, NXT guys and the UK guys and everything, I, I actually saw on the dirt sheets that Drew Gulak filed for the copyright Catchpoint. Catchpoint. Yeah, was, that was a. It was a stable in Evolve uh, that had him, Tracy Williams, Matt Riddle, Dominique Garini, TJP, Fred Yehi, Chris Dickinson, Jaka, and Stokely Hathaway, a.k.a. Malcolm Bivens. So he's kept that catch point name. I don't know. Maybe that means he's going to uh, not be resigning and he's going to want to have that name to reform that stable somewhere. Yeah. Maybe go back to evolve. Well, that's pretty much staying in WWE. They own them now, right? Or they're in a heavy partnership with them. I mean, they're heavy partnership and they show them all at one fucking event and like two guys on there. It's, it's hardly a partnership at this point. Yeah, it's exactly. just hey, we need something to do. Fuck it, dig up the evolve guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what else do we have to talk? about? We got to wrap things up pretty soon. We'll save yeah, most a- of the other stuff. I mean, we know NXT and NXT UK. That's another big deal. Now that uh, the Sky Sports remember for thirty years, Raw and SmackDown have been on Sky Sports, and uh, that deal ended like we talked about last week. Now they are part of BT Sports which we also knew was coming. This has been a long time coming. So all of the WW stuff's on BT Sports. But the cool thing about the BT Sports deal for people out there is that that now includes NXT and NXT UK. Whereas before, the only way to access NXT and NXT UK would have been the uh, WWE Network. With this new deal, they worked there with BT Sports. That essentially puts everything WWE right at BT Sports. So if you have access to BT Sports channels, you have access to everything WWE whenever they go live now. So that's pretty much why they left Sky after 30 years. The Sky Sports deal only had Raw and SmackDown. And I guess nothing could be worked out better than the deal that BT was giving them. Which is, you know, that's a good place. I mean, that's where they get their UFCs and everything. Oh, yeah. That's where you get a lot of stuff over in the UK. Yeah, that is a big sports channel. So, uh, yeah, now they're going to have that. Yeah, that's going to be great for NXT and NXT UK as well. So. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. What yeah, exciting. Do? It's going to be an exciting time for those for those brands, for sure. Yeah, like Stacey said, that's their Fox Sports. Yeah, and they're going to be airing every Thursday in Australia on Foxtel Fox ATV. So that's another big market that they're in now. Yeah, because um, that's basically how it's uh, 
worked now since they came to USA is now that full episode pops up the next day. Mm-hmm. So if you miss the weekly of NXT, you just got to hold probably for 24 hours and then boom, here they are on the network. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think now the only thing that we have to do is go over our, our, what, our Raw and SmackDown. Is that like the main thing? Uh, Yeah. Raw and SmackDown were the two big ones this week. Yeah, I mean, we know we want to talk about the NXT was just a oh fuck AEW too. How could I forget them? The NXT was just a recap, so I don't really want to go into too yeah. much with that. It was I mean? um they showed some of the big matches from takeovers, like they showed the Gargano Cole feud, which by the way they did win rivalry of the year. They showed the ladies war games, which Shayna Baszler won female superstar of the year. Uh, Dakota Kai was the future star. Mm-hmm. Keith Lee won Breakout, Undisputed Era once again won Tag Team. I think Adam Cole walked away with like four awards altogether, <laughs> which he yep. beat the record because originally I want to say it was Oscar who was originally had it set with three. Yeah, and as you guys can see, I put up on the screen there. They also went over the Dusty Rhodes Classic. They revealed yeah. the brackets going into that, so that was like the only. I like thing. some of these teams. Yeah. Yeah, like so, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn is going to be a very unpredictable team. Yeah, Matt Kushida, we don't Dunn. know who his partner is yet. Yeah, so we got Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn against Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. We got Imperium against the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. You got uh, Gallus versus the Undisputed Era. You got the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Kushida and a mystery partner. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's a very interesting looking setup that they have going Which on. Which is. Here. I believe this coming Wednesday is Gallus and Undisputed, which is going to be the first time ever that both NXT tag team champions are going head to head. Yeah, very cool. Which is going to be an intriguing one because Gallus has a busy week because not only do they have that match, they're going to be in a four way ladder match defending their titles at TakeOver Blackpool, too. Yeah, very. Yeah, it's kind of funny there. Let's see. There's one, two, three. Yeah, there's four. If you count current and former, there's four tag team championship teams in this in this tournament this year. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is gonna be a fun one. You have the only three time champs on Disputed Era: the current Gallus for the UK Grizzled Young Veterans, the first ever UK tag champions, and then the second ever champions in uh Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. So it's a it's a stacked one this year. Yeah, this might absolutely. be the most stacked Dusty Classic I've seen. Yeah. All right. Well, that was what NXT did. And uh, please remind me what the deal was with AEW. Because I've watched so much wrestling since then that that feels like it was a decade ago. Like, I, I got it right in front of me. Yeah, so basically, um, kicked off with John Moxley having a match with Trent. Knocked him off with the paradigm shift. But uh, what was interesting is that Sammy Guevara was in the crowd. And he actually wound up tossing all things to Chris Jericho. And basically the way Jericho put it was instead of just having Moxley in the inner circle, he wants him to be an equal partner offering him 45% of the inner circle LLC in a role as vice president. Mm-hmm. He even goes throws in a four GT, but he basically he tried to butter him up as much as he possibly could. To, um, to to get him to be a part of a uh, of, of the inner circle. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, it was fun. But um then we had uh Cody and Darby Allen. 
basically yeah Cody has Arn Anderson with him for the first time right there's the first appearance of the manager yeah which was cool to see Arn the crowd popped to see him yeah and there was some, some interactions you know at points where like you know Arn sort of guiding Cody like he's out there in a very interactive role yeah it was good to see Arn still looks good he looks pretty decent after all these years like he yeah he doesn't look terrible but I mean you could tell he's old but it's just like I yeah but yeah um Cody winds up going over with a roll-up after blocking the coffin drop. But this match was fantastic, just like the first time. It's good to see an actual finish this time instead of a draw, but great match between the two of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Riho defends, obviously, against Britt Baker, Hikaru, Sheila, and Nyla thing person. But uh, yeah, Riho defends again. So their gravity-defying, 90-pound, soaking wet world champion is still there. Good for her, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, it's better than Nyla winning that title, so I, I'll take it. But uh, and we had Sammy Guevara going over Dustin Rhodes. Basically, low blow, and Sammy rolls up for the win. Jake Hager did have a little bit of some, uh, a little bit of a role in this, distracting Dustin. Wanted to be a really entertaining match, though. Dustin Rhodes looks still look fantastic, and what I believe is now, what forty years now, almost he's been doing this. 40 years. Dude, that's probably that's one of the longest careers I've seen, I think. But then um, MJF basically laid out his stipulation. Cody has to beat Wardlow in a one-on-one match. And then obviously for the match to happen as well, Cody cannot touch MJF before AEW Revolution. Yeah. So it's kind of a little interesting thing to see. They're, they're dragging this one out as they can. And then, of course, main event, the Elite and the Lucha Brothers. Elite go over. Didn't uh, I was actually wasn't there something with the best friends on here? The best friends. I feel. Then like we had the we had the pot. We had the Trent and um Moxley thing at the beginning. Right. I don't know. I feel like they did something with those characters. Yeah. It was <laughs> uh no maybe not. I don't know. I just remember it wrong. Yeah, I don't know. This weekend was crazy, so everybody's a little burnt. But yeah, <laughs> yeah could have been but one I mean, of the AEW darks. I just feel like I saw best friends in a match at some point. Yeah, I know Trent, the only thing really was that Trent uh, wrestled Moxley at the start, but... Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, pretty much business as usual for the Elite. It was good to see them actually winning, because that's been an issue with them as of late, and then they wound up going over Pac and uh, Lucha Brothers. Yeah, I like that they all came out like that in full force. It, it felt like a fresh start for them, you know, which... Yeah. Was, like, only crappy part was freaking uh, Adam Page. They tried to wave him down to come celebrate, too, and he didn't want to. Like, they keep emphasizing that split. I don't think they need that split, man. Like, I, I really don't. They hopefully, don't. Hopefully they tease it and then just fix it and not just go all the way with that. Because I, I don't see what the hell the point would be right now. You know, like, let we them ride itself out a little page. bit. Yeah, we really don't. I think we've had it once already at RH. It, it's been explored too... too uh, frequently from the point that we're at let, let a little more time ride if you want to do it you're so over as a face you don't need it yeah pretty much but um yeah good though very cool oh, yeah you know a very good there. episode definitely a lot of building towards uh their, their revolution pay-per-view so this was definitely a sign that they're listening to fans they're listening to people that are complaining because a lot of the things there was more emphasis on the things people want and less screwing around, and it just felt like they were trying to show that they're still growing, you know? And that's good, because a company like that, even if they're not the best every week, it shows that they're going to listen. Yeah, they're at least making adjustments to see what makes the fans more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. 
which is the biggest issue everybody's having with WWE now is the fact that we're telling them what they don't like and then Rusev shows up. Oh, you're just complaining. Yeah, it's like, nah, Rusev, we're not just complaining, you know? <laughs> we, we we want all three shows to have a credible world champion, not one have, two have great ones, no one has fucking Brock. <laughs> yeah, come on, Rusev, you're a Last Dragon fan. You know what good storytelling is. Right. I'll tell Bruce Leroy, don't make me do it. Yeah, you know, they're not giving you Bruce Leroy shit in here, you know? They're giving you freaking Jaden Smith and the Karate Kid, don't, come on now. <laughs> Yeah, I said it. <laughs> and what? <laughs> that should be the thing. Is it Bruce Leroy quality? Right. Or is it Jaden Smith the karate? You know, like that's how you know when they care about you. Is it Bruce Leroy and show enough or is it Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan? Yeah. All right. Well, SmackDown. I, I somewhat remember the SmackDown stuff, which basically Daniel Bryan and uh, is backstage and then. Basically, it's the same shit with the Miz talking about how uh, he's upset about Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's clearly getting into his head, and uh, you know he wants to get his hands on Bray. Bailey and Sasha give a promo, which causes Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to come out. And uh, there was another team here too, right? It was also uh, Dana, Brooke, Dana Brooke, Dana Brooke, and Lacey Evans. They all came out, and it basically becomes a, a triple threat match. That was very well done. This was actually probably the highlight of SmackDown for me is watching everybody work. And like I mentioned to you all fair, it's interesting to see a world where all the veteran women are gone. And basically the NXT roster is what's running SmackDown as far as the women's division goes. Like they did good. Like this match was definitely very well choreographed to say the least. And the pacing of it, everything about it uh, came together really good. It stood out on a regular SmackDown. And Dana Brooke got another win. Yeah, Dana Brooke went over. It's almost like they want to they want to make Melsa wrong because Melsa says shit like she's just enhancement talent, and then boom, she wins the match. You know, hey man, let that girl eat. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. And I mean, well, all things she went over with a senton bomb at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, other things that stood out to me on SmackDown. It turns out Otis's mother knows about the fruitcake. Very, hard- <laughs> very, very heartbreaking stuff. Like, because she said, uh, did you see what happened to the cake? And he said, no, but my mother was watching. And it was just this awkward moment. <laughs> this is really sad stuff, you know? And uh, I don't know. This, there's something about SmackDown that there's such an abuse of food. Like we've lost right. a full roast here. We lost a cake. And then Miz is so angry, he slaps the New Day's pancakes. Because they're trying, to, food abuse. they're trying to cheer him up and just tell him that he's such a great guy. And he fucking slaps their pancakes. And now there's pancakes are on the floor. Like, there's so many people starving and all you do is waste food all year long on SmackDown. You know, and then Miz, later on, he loses to Kofi. Kofi challenges him to a match, I guess, to get some of the steam off him. And he winds up losing. And then, like, what was that, a heel turn? Because he winds up attacking Kofi from behind. Yeah, that was yeah. basically a Miz heel turn. And then he feels betrayed by the crowd. That's so lame that they flipped him already. Right, they. T- <laughs> this isn't Big Show. What are you doing? Like fuck, you flipped them already. We just flipped them like a week ago. What the? What the- Unbelievable. And uh, Shorty G has a match, right? Yeah, Shorty G had um a match with I believe it was Dawson. Yeah, I think it was Dawson. No, yeah. no, it was Dash. Yeah, yeah, and he tapped Dash out because that's what Dash does. He loses. Yeah, and then Sheamus basically that's when he makes his return and he bro kicks Shorty. 
He doesn't look weird. He doesn't have no mohawk anymore, any weird shit on his face. He's just a regular Seamus. And I he don't looks know. like original. For me, this was also, it's cool that he's back, but once again, underwhelming. Like, hmm, big, strong, mighty, multiple-time world champion Seamus has returned. How can he really make an impact? Oh, how about he fucks up the guy who we consider the shortest person, even though he's not that short? The problem with that is, is like, the last time Seamus came back from a long-term injury, he did the same thing. When he first came back with the mohawk and, like, the weird, like, braided-up beard. He just comes so it's like, is is this what happens every time Seamus comes back from injury? He just attacks the first face in front of him, like. Yeah, and it's like again, it's Seamus. You know, this is a former champion. This is a guy who beat Triple H, and he broke kick yeah. Shorty G. What are we doing? This, this, this is the guy who beat Cena in his first championship match. Like, so you're gonna uh, is this the elevation of Shorty G, or is this the 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 freaking fall of Seamus, or do you just not fucking care? Because why, why would, of all people, like, is this what I'm to look forward to? A Seamus versus Shorty G feud? I mean, I'm not opposed to it. It could be cool. It's just very sudden, you know, just like, hey, here's our top guy, one of our top people, many times the world champion of this company. And we're going to feud with Shorty G. I'm just interested to see where the fuck this is going to go. Exactly. Any other big news on uh, SmackDown? Uh, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, this is a little scattered everywhere. The main event was actually pretty cool. We, uh, What was funny was that The Fiend made an appearance for the first time in a little while, actually. The, pretty much The Fiend showed up, wiped out Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, but, but the big but, thing is, is that after... And, uh, but Corbin and Ziggler didn't give a shit about any of that mystic stuff. And they were like, whatever that is, it's just time to kick Roman's ass some more. Right. Handcuffs and dog food. Let's go. Let's go. That's but, what we um, care about. Don't know there's a demon. We don't care about demon. We're here for the dog food. Right. <laughs> Write it down. We're here for the dog food. <laughs> here for the dog food. There you go. But uh, the big thing is, is uh, the bloodline returned because the Usos showed up. Yeah. First time we've seen them in a while and basically hit the heels with dual super kicks. So that's how we go home. Yeah, I got a clip here. I think that might actually be it. Let's see what we got here. And again, Corbin and Ziggler are going to humiliate Reigns. And Roman Reigns is defenseless right now, outnumbered, half-handcuffed. History going to repeat itself once again. Sickening display. Daniel Bryan was left motionless. Roman Reigns defenseless. Hand comes to the bottom rope. They're back! The Usos are here! Tandem super kick! Come on, Ziggler. Jimmy and Jay Uso going after Kate Corbin! Coming to the aid of their cousin Roman Reigns. Memphis has become the Uso penitentiary. The Usos! Jimmy and Jay back with a vengeance on Friday Night Smackdown! Oh, there you go. What do you think about them? They look like the Tongans now, right? Right. I like. I kind of like the short hair. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind it. It's different. Yeah, definitely a better look. Definitely a unique look for them. And uh, that gives Roman a bit a bit of a stable now, which is something he needs since he's yeah. always getting jumped and fed dog food. I want to yeah. say. I want to say they always call it the bloodline, but yeah. Well, let me see because we got a backstage thing of them over here too. I don't think the WWE universe. Or Roman Reigns could have been any more excited to see 
too today, and I think I'm excited. I speak for the entire WWE universe saying, What up, Boost? Hey, first off, happy New Year's. Happy you know what New Year's. And first off, it's good to see you too, Boost. Come on, man. <laughs> Hey, but uh, we had to come back, man. We missed the WWE Universe just as much as they missed the Usos. And a, a big night for us, man. Got to come out and help our cuz once again. I love it. Yeah. We here now. We was away. Got things right. Got on track. You know what I'm saying? We was at home. We saw them dumping dog food on a big cuz. It's like, oh, no. This ain't going to happen again. We got you, Us. And what to do? We here. We here. Don't they sound like guys who haven't been working? <laughs> Excited, high energy. Man, yeah. I just... It feels like it's been a long time, you know what I mean? I, I've Since I was, I think, three or four, remember when I flipped you off when we were little? I didn't think they knew what that meant. I was like, man, they, there's no way they know what this means. I was like, boom, I hit him with the bird, and then he told on me. He told him and I got whooped. I got whooped that day. But ever since, we've been we've been like brothers. We're, we're second cousins, but we've been like brothers ever since. Um, the road is tough. The road is tough out here. And when you're so used to having a certain security blanket of, you know, having your family on the road, it, it can be tricky when you don't have them. I mean, with, with the, with the split, with you guys going away, with truth being on the other side, right. I felt like I've been alone, but it felt really good to see you guys here. Not only, you know, backstage, everything, man. So, uh, you know, it's been exciting, but get ready for work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we ready. Hey, we ready. Workhorses yeah. are right here. Hey. We ready. Usos 2020, Roman Reigns 2020. We out. Love your dogs, or... Oh, the Usos. Yeah, the good old Usos. Y'all better stay sober. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't no deal with these shenanigans. No more driving. Right. You know? Stop it. Ubers, Lyft, something. Yeah, something that's not what you're doing. Please. <laughs> it's a miracle you made it back this many times. Right. <laughs> Other companies would have released y'all by now. And that's it for SmackDown, right? Yep, that's it for SmackDown. All right, well, then we have Raw. Wonderful, energetic crowd for Raw. Shout out to the guy with the 83 weeks Eric Bischoff sign that security stripped. That guy was great. Took your sign. They don't want an Eric Bischoff sign out there. Sucks, huh? Now you know what happens when they see it. It's pretty much like when the stormtroopers find you and they realize that you have a lightsaber. <laughs> they will right right over to that motherfucker. Hey, show me your sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Like, that's fucked up, you know. Yeah, good attempt, man. Good attempt, you know. <laughs> uh, so Lesnar shows up, and I guess he enters himself into the Royal Rumble, which. It's worse than the Money in the Bank when he showed up at a Money in the Bank match. He wasn't even <sighs> climbed the ladder and stole the briefcase. Like what? 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 That, what agitated me more about this was that Brock goes, "Let's make history." One, Roman and Flair were both WWE champions when they entered the Rumble, and then he goes, "Then we're gonna do it at number one." So there's this guy named Shawn Michaels who won at that spot twice. <laughs> yeah, and also like. Like Xavier Woods tweeted, he said, y'all, I'm late to the show. First of all, this match is dope. Second, I just heard them say Brock is in the Rumble. He's still champ, right? So if he wins, then does he get a buy at Mania? Update your man, please. And that's the point. The whole point of the Rumble is the winner gets to a, ch- a shot at the champion at WrestleMania. What the hell does the champion need to be in there for? So that he could win and just not have to be at Mania? At this point, I'm, at this point I make peace with that part of the route they're going. 
just so they just just so Brock could have an excuse to not even wrestle at the fucking show. Like, and they said nothing about Brock's title being on the line. Like, if Brock's in the in the Rumble, as far as I'm concerned, whoever wins is WWE champion. I I'm impressed because that be, that means that even when he is here, the title's not on the line. Because you're right, if he is in the Rumble, he, would he also be having a match for the title? The Royal Rumble, one of the big things, usually a world title gets defended. But no, if he's too busy to be in it in the Royal Rumble, like when when Roman was <laughs> WWE champion and they put him in the Rumble, he defended his fucking title. Yeah. The title was on the line in the Rumble match. Yeah. Also, notice that that uh, Brock Lesnar went back to the default WWE Championship, no longer the red one. <sighs> so, so, I guess it's weird because SmackDown's title officially is blue, but but uh, the WWE Championship on Raw is back to just the one that AJ had, pretty much. You know, the red yeah. one's gone. So interesting how that turned out that way. Uh, yeah, and that was pretty much it for that. Um, other things that were that happened, I don't know if I'm going to go over everything. Like I said, we're trying to wrap up here, but um, Rey Mysterio versus Andrade, um, the annoying commentary saying that fucking Rey is the G moat, the 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 gamote, greatest greatest masked greatest masked superstar of all time. But that would even be the gasmote, the the gasmote. I don't even know. I didn't even get that fucking, right. Oh my god! That. I don't even care. Whatever they said. Uh, we got the dusty finish though because Alina Vega put the left foot of Andrade on the rope at the pin, and then this is a celebration. But then dusty finish because the ref goes, "Wait a minute!" Even though the, the ref decision is final, it's not in this case, you know. But uh. Ultimately, the second finish to this is Zelina winds up taking a bump, um, an inverted bump where she collides with Ray as he's coming off the top and she's at ringside and Ray gets distracted, ultimately taking a hammerlock DDT. And, uh, Andrade winds up taking Ray's mask and poor Ray has to rock the Taz look in the ring where he has a towel over his head and he's sitting there like, Dang. I'm so sick of that fucking spot. <laughs> if it's not a mask versus mask match, you don't touch the fucking mask. Because the last time somebody touched a mask, Matt Jackson almost got killed on a ladder. Like, at this point, if that's not the end game, that spot does not need to ever happen. Yeah. Uh, Mojo peeked underneath the covers of Rowan's pet, and, like, he freaks out and screams. I think he realized that it was, like, old TNA DVDs or something in that shit. <laughs> it was the best of Raven. Yeah. And uh swinging back around, Ray beats the fuck out of Andrade for that mask thing. Like, he really beats him. You know, he whips his ass. Takes him to the woodshed, as JR would put it. Um, uh, what else? We have the Bobby Bobby and La- and Lana shitty wedding. They had, they had the nerve to the, finish this shit. The sequel. And uh they had Rusev. So here's what's actually funny before we get to this. I can't remember what it was that happened right before the uh, the commercial, but I know you probably, I don't know if you caught it, that sign of what it looked like. I guess it was a, what they everybody thought was a fan jumping into the ring and security getting to him. Well, what happened was the pastor was getting into the ring, and I guess nobody told security. So security thinks it's just some random guy and just fucking... And, <laughs> and tackled so, him? Yeah, before one of the commercial breaks, the last thing you see is the fucking pastor getting held down to the ring and they dragged him back out. But by the time the commercial came back, they let security know, hey, he's part of the next bit. And then he was back in the ring. I hope he got a bonus for that. I would hope so, too. 
Because it happened, even in the chat room, I think Kulu was just like, the fuck was that in the suit? And I was like, oh, it was just some random mark. Lo and behold, it was the pastor. They probably didn't even know the pastor. They just decided that shit at the last minute. See, hot shotting. No one knows what each other are doing. But Rusev tells me I can't complain. Fuck off. (laughs) No, this was all carefully constructed. Even the pastor getting tackled was was thought of. (laughs) Like. We had thought of the pastor getting tackled like way whack back before Disney started remaking Aladdin and Lion King. Let me just let's just <laughs> confirm right now. January seventh, two thousand twenty, about three forty in the morning, we just said the phrase "the pastor getting tackled" was planned. You know, there were two things that were long term <laughs> slow burns that we had for the longest longest time. One of them was uh the development of the of the shield. And the other one was the pastor getting fucking tackled. That was, <laughs> that was a long, long-term strategy. Like, you don't understand how many WrestleManias we were still reaching for that pastor getting tackled. Oh, my God. Finally pulled it off. We always knew how that story was going to end. Unbelievable. But this time they officially get married, right? And then Rusev, he brings it via satellite in front of a Windows 10 wallpaper. At least that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable like just I don't know they green screened him as I would look like he was green screened in front of freaking Hawaii or some shit what the hell was going on look like it <laughs> look like he was somewhere right yeah uh, we got a Sarah Logan appearance but they did one of those and her opponent type deals like Charlotte gets her entrance and then it's and her opponent and Logan's in the corner but it was brutal. Like I'm surprised she didn't just job rod. She like she she fucked up Charlotte for a while there, at least yeah. for a little while, right? She she got some shit in. Like Sarah Logan got some shit in tonight. You know, maybe they should start utilizing her. It, it, it sucks that they did that and her opponent shit. I like her look right now. Like it's... yeah, yeah, not wearing the stupid skirt anymore. Yeah, she looks intimidating. Yeah, I, I I've been saying for the longest, considering that she's married to fucking Roe, just stick her with the Viking Raiders. Yeah, yeah, that will work. That would definitely work. Nikki Cross wants to tag with her husband too. Well, I don't know if that's gonna happen. They don't really do mixed gender stuff. Yeah, maybe, maybe do that for like a mixed match challenge if they ever bring that back. Yeah. So Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens were were teasing. Well, more more so Samoa Joe teasing that he has this secret guy that's gonna help them fight out Rollins and his AOP cronies, and they keep teasing. He's like behind a door and shit. And I wish I would have said who i thought it was when this whole thing first started because the only person i could think of is who it was i was thinking you know big show you know like it's someone who was big their reaction is big when they see him they're like whoa we don't see who he got when he when when one sees him he's like whoa i feel a lot better that we have him you know it would be weird if it was shorty g you know i I just assumed it would be braun because it's always braun nowadays like I would I would have just turned it off like mid bra in the storm. I would have just fucking turned it down. Like because <laughs> why would why would you be locking him in a little room where no one can see him? He works for the company. He's here every because week because they think because they think we're fucking stupid. Nah, that would be too far out of the the realm of logic. It had to be somebody that's intimidating, and I only that could think was Big Show. They go, just, they go pretty far out of that realm, so. Huh? You know, only person I could think of that you'd be like, holy crap, I can't believe you actually went and got him would have been Big Show or Lars Sullivan. That would have been a shock. <laughs> then it would have been like, oh, wow. But it wasn't that. So Big Show was the secret guy. And uh, they have their six-man tag match. Unfortunately, Rollins gets knocked the fuck out. He takes the WMD. <laughs> they still call that. 
Don't even know. Takes the knockout punch, though. And the poor AOP have to drag his body away. I don't know if they just drag him like a dead fucking corpse. That's what he was, man. Didn't, didn't throw him was. over the shoulder, nothing. Just fucking grab his hands, drag him. No, just dragged him mobster style. They, they, they dragged him like a dead victim in a hitman game. Uh-huh. Swap the outfits and store them in the closet. Fuck it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that was Raw, guys. Got to see a Dusty Rhodes bracket. Got to talk about everything. This was a long first episode of the year. They are not all going to be that long. So enjoy yeah. it. Luckily, Wrestle Kingdom won't happen every week. So. Exactly. And if it does, we won't be involved. <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I think we're good here. So that being said, thank you to everyone who hung out with us. For the first episode of 2020 episode one of the best better episodes as far as japanese content goes less wwe more japan stuff shout out to all of you guys stasis streams and joe Wall, cooler ice emang aka ewe gamer willie v2 six slayer liquid impact mark 710 angelic mutiny thank you for the host sir as well as six slayer and cool ice thank you for your hosts all of you listening to this on the replays on demand, even in this chat room, iTunes, Stitch Radio, TuneIn, SoundCloud, TalkBrunch.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 360. For myself and Destin, we are out of here. And now I'm going to go recover after Wrestle Kingdom. Goodbye. Shut it down.